Hey everybody, welcome back to Live for Sports. My name is Nathan. Um, we got a whole new crowd of new people in here, so I, my thing is when I do a new podcast, you go around, you talk about your sports intros, or like your sports background, and what your interests. So, state, okay. state your name, state your right. reason being here. I'll start. Uh, I'm Joe Swagusty. I'm a classmate and friend of Nathan Maley. Questionable friend. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. I mean, I just gave you $25 for Eric. But, uh, yeah, so sports. Uh, I've liked sports my whole life, mainly hockey, baseball, basketball, and football, American football. Um, I'm passionate about those four sports, and that's why I'm in the broadcast program, because that's the industry I want to work in. Thank you. Nathan, thank you very much. My name is uh, Ben Bugera. And uh, I am also a uh, classmate and uh, very, very good friend of Nathan Maley. Also questionable. Oh, questionable. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Um, yeah, I'm here at the program because I've always been interested in sports. I always wanted to go into broadcasting. I listened to many broadcasters as a young kid, uh, and it's always been an interest of mine. I've been into sports probably seriously since when the Canucks went to the Stanley Cup final in 2011 that's when I really started paying attention as a kid to uh, hockey especially so hockey is kind of my main interest I also really like American football like Joseph and European soccer as well so that's that's me my name's Anthony or you know as some call me two take Tony here uh, you're gonna hear him referenced as two take a lot in this episode I bet. Uh, so might as well get the formalities out of the way I'm a <laughs> friend and or ally of Nathan in this program as well and uh, yeah I've got an affinity for sports broadcasting or sports news in general my two favorite sports however are NHL and European soccer so those what, are my two what big sport, ones what sport is the NHL Tony Hockey, that's the only type <laughs> league that matters. You know, sometimes KHL, if I got some time for that, and I'm feeling uh, feisty. Tony, who's your, who's, your, who's your KHL team? KHL? Gotta be Zagreb, because that's who I was uh, looking at in that last class on Teresa's, whoever they were playing. They were they were up like 4 nothing. I'd be under on that. That's another big part why in the program I like sports betting a lot, so... Oh, so degenerate the, uh, gambling. They begin to gambling, <laughs> eh? That's the rabbit hole we've gone down. All right, can you pass me my coffee, please? Yeah, well, you. you gotta, you gotta do. Your I know. Thing. I've been waiting f to do my intro, but mm. I need the coffee. Okay. Last but maybe least. No, he's taking oh. a big yeah. sip here, ladies. Definitely and least, based off his favorite team. Also, friend of Nathan Maley. I don't know how. I'm like uh, probably going. your best friend in the program. I don't know. Uh, best friend <laughs> forever in your whole life. No comment. <sighs> Your gym partner, gym okay. Buddy. You can you can say gym partner. I'm basically yeah. your personal trainer. Okay. I'm a degenerate Boston Bruins fan. Yep, that's uh, um, that's that's why you're not my best friend. <laughs> hockey's pretty much the only sport that I watch religiously. Outside of that, not much. But yeah, just a massive Boston Bruins fan, huge hockey fan. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a joint episode with. Uh, Adam and Joseph's new podcast, the Rookie Sports Hockey. What, rookie, what's it called? rookie Sports Hockey Podcast. Right, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's going to be a joint episode with them. Uh, it's probably going to be the same audio. Which you can find wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> Apple, Google, and Spotify. Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking trade deadline because that was Friday? Yeah. yeah. We were supposed yeah, to be last week, Friday. but I was, Friday, I was dead last week, so... Well, yeah. last you week we were dead. Yeah. Nathan, we were, were concerned for your, we were concerned for his safety. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So trade deadline, we'll go over like the trades and then also our picks of like who we think won and yeah. who lost. So yeah, Sounds let's good. get into it. Simmons, is this the dagger? Well, Adam, Bruins fan, why don't you start with the Tyler Bertuzzi trade? Uh, we... All right. Well, actually, no, let's introduce the segment should we, first. Should okay. we? So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going over the NHL trade deadline, which happened last week, I think, right? Yeah, last, Friday. Last Friday, right? Mm-hmm. So it's been about a week. It was a bit of a drawn-out deadline. A lot different than previous years, obviously. A lot of the trades didn't happen on the day of the deadline. So we're going to be going over trades that happened over like the last few days before the deadline as well. I say we go chronological for the most part. Like we go, obviously, we'll start. Like, Do we, we have a layout here. Is it is it chronological? It We'll have to it's go rever- back up. But it's reverse. It's reverse. Yeah, reverse. But so, it would be chronological. All right, let's start from the top then. So we just, what did we do? We just chose all of our... The, the most re- the, the most relevant the most trades relevant. in our yeah. opinion. All right, sounds good. So the first one, Ryan O'Reilly, to the Leafs at with St. Louis retaining fifty percent of his salary, and then Minnesota is also pitching in twenty five percent retained salary. Nolachari and Josh Biller, all the Leafs. God, this is confusing trade to describe. Yeah. Um, stupid salary cap three team <laughs> trades are ridiculous. The Blues get Adam Gaudet, Mikhail Abramov. A first in 2023, a 2023 third, and a 2024 second. And the Wild receive a Leafs 2025 fourth round pick. All those picks are Leafs picks, I believe, right? There was, mm-hmm. And Minnesota mm-hmm. gets that fourth round pick for, for acting as a cap broker in yeah. this trade. So what that means is, in order for the trade to go through, they had to retain 25% of O'Reilly's salary, so the Leafs could fit him under their salary cap. Mm-hmm. So to summarize, it's Ryan O'Reilly, Noel Achari, and... Josh Pilar. Josh Pilar, who was kind of a throw-in to the Leafs. Adam Gaudet, Mikhail Abramov, a first and a third and a second to St. Louis. And Minnesota gets a fourth-round pick. And then there's a bunch of salary retention and stuff in there. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, if the listeners want to look at it themselves, they can go look at it themselves. We don't need to go into the specific details. But anyways, all right. Yeah. So let's go winners and losers, Nathan. Of this deal? Yeah. I think the... See, I think the Leafs partially overpaid a little bit, but I think the Leafs are all in, so they had to make this deal. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's that bad. Yeah. But it, in other terms, like, it is bad. I actually really like Minnesota retaining the salary part in this deal because they just pick up a free fourth-round pick, basically. Like, I think they, they – Pilar yeah. came from them, right? Yeah, he's like a – he's a tweener prospect. Yeah. He was a fourth-round pick, so I you think, pick, in you just, you just pick up another fourth, like, basically retain salary and – you're still a playoff team, Minnesota. You're helping out and sure you're helping out a division rival in St. Louis, but they're not a playoff team. Yep. So, no. I in St. Louis's return, if you're getting three picks, I I think it's a cut kind of a really good deal all around, for the most part. On the surface, this is a really good deal, but if you look at the fact that now O'Reilly's injured, that's a bit of a problem because mm-hmm. now the Leafs, who kind of had the right idea in getting their defensive two-way center to play down the middle behind Tavares and Matthews, 
They don't have that right now. And who knows when O'Reilly's going to come back from his injury with yeah. the broken finger. It's supposed to be a minimum four-week timeline for recovery. He, he's had I bet you he's just going to be sat out until playoffs, yeah. and he'll come back for They playoffs. can do some LTIR gymnastics to make that work mm-hmm. out. This, this was one of those trades that personally I was like, what the fuck are they doing? And obviously, I think Leafs Nation... They see trades, and then after the fact, they just justify it. Because they're like, oh, well, you know, we don't want to believe that anything we do is bad. But, like, in reality, it's like, yeah, none of the players you got are bad players. They're all going to help you. And, yeah, you have the best center depth in the league now. But that's not what you needed to address. The funny thing with that, Adam, is actually when O'Reilly was playing for the Leafs, they had him playing center, but with Tavares on the wing. So, really, is that center (laughs) depth really that good? You got Matthews, O'Reilly... Noel Achari, who's a decent Listen, player, and David Camp. Here's the way I look at it, okay? And you can argue with me about, because obviously I'm a Bruins fan, but the three juggernauts of the East, Tampa Bay, Boston, and Toronto, of those three teams, I genuinely do believe that Toronto has the strongest offensive core. Not taking into account their defense and the amount of offense their defense contributes, just that offensive core, I do think that it is the strongest. I don't think it's Why? a good idea to... I think I just I don't I just think I don't think it's a good idea to say that there's three juggernauts in the East because more in reality there's six juggernauts. But for the sake of making that point, for the sake of making that point, why don't we just say like the Atlantic Division? Okay, for this, yeah, yeah. fine. For the sake of making that point, now if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you already know that your strength is offense, and then you went and you added more offense. I don't. No, I disagree because O'Reilly's not known for his offense. No. O'Reilly is there to play center and t- and go against the other team's top line, shut them down so that Matthews and Tavares can go out and play against maybe the not-so-good line and worry mostly about offense. Even the best defensive center in the entire league, the which is Patrice Bergeron, is not going to improve your team defensively as much as a good defenseman is. That's just the fact. That that's, also, that's a good point. That's but also another thing is you look at these Stanley Cup winners in the past years. Like, look at Pittsburgh in their dynasty years. They had Crosby Malkin down the middle, and then they had Benino there. They Like, all these good teams always have a really good one-two punch, and then somebody on that third line who can play shutdown minutes. Yeah. And remember, and Phil Kessel played, played on It's the third not line. a yes. bad trade. Like I'm Patrick not saying Maroon. it's a bad trade. It's a good trade. Like, they got trade. better. But also knowing that Matias Ekholm was on the market, Jacob Chikrin yeah. was on the market, and all both those guys went for, like, and not, they need it's not, not crazy high prices compared to everything that Toronto gave up and every trade that they made. I'd be a lot more scared of a Toronto team that had an Ekholm on their lineup than an O'Reilly. Well, yeah, because they need more defense. It's the same forward core going to the playoffs I think what again. And I think just they couldn't fit it in money-wise in the future because all those guys had term on their deals. Besides, well, well I guess you could say McCabe had term when we get chicken to that went, deal. Chicken went for a first and two seconds. You give yeah. a little bit extra to have some retention. Well, don't forget. Arizona doesn't need the money. Mm-hmm. They're just handing out cap for picks anyways, right? Yeah. So it's like... And don't forget Jake McCabe, which we'll get to later in the day. And we can <laughs> argue whether or not... Um, that was a joke of a trade. <laughs> yeah, that trade. We'll, we'll get there. But we can definitely argue that Ekholm would have been a better fit. Because they're both left-shot defensemen. We'll get there later. Let's uh, go... Ekholm's a much better defense. Okay, yeah, we'll so get there later. So the consensus is us... That the Leafs made a good trade, but not necessarily one they needed to make. Yeah, that's my stance. It was a good trade, but it didn't make sense in the grand picture of, like, what do the Leafs need to do to be more competitive these playoffs? Like, what do they need to address? Their goaltending and their defense are their weaknesses, not their offense. I disagree, because their forward depth has always been the issue in the playoffs. They don't have that depth in the forward. They have those four guys loaded up, and I think they finally addressed the depth with their forward this year. 
but they've tried to do that in years well, I'm past. Not, but like uh, when they brought but they haven't Polino done it well. I didn't say it was a bad yeah. trade. I'm just saying there are other things they could have yeah. done that would have made them and a we'll lot get to better. Other trades and yeah. Hold on, we didn't get to Tony. Tony, what are you winners and losers on that trade? Well, if we're talking in hindsight, they don't have O'Reilly for um, a good chunk of the month, probably the beginning of the playoffs. Which I'm just looking at Toronto and. Samsonov's not going to win any matchup against Vasilevsky or any other goalie. It's It looks like a first-round exit to me. So I don't think the team's really been stacked up any differently. Defense is going to be an issue. O'Reilly's obviously the best player, but... Yeah, it's like you're right. They had Ekholm on the market. Edmonton is having similar issues to Toronto, and they stacked up in that regard. So, I don't know. The Leafs aren't, are a bit overrated, in my opinion. I would say the only advantage they have right now is Tampa Bay fucking sucks right now. I don't think... Right now. But that's that's the thing. They suck right now. Yeah. That's not what you want oh, them to suck. It's just like the Leafs' luck for Tampa Bay to just get really <laughs> fucking hot well, right as the playoffs start. Come playoff time, I think they're just going through the motions. They've played a ton of hockey yeah. in the past three years. They'll be ready to go in time That's Levski's best Levski. Yeah. He's yeah. not old. No. Not yeah. so. okay. And their defense is great. Dimitri Orlov and his contract which was 50% retained by Washington, and then Minnesota also pitched in another 25% retention, and Garnett Hathaway go to the Bruins for Craig Smith. What? How do you say that Andre Andrei Svetlikov. Uh, yeah, you know it. Well you, done. First yeah. round pick, 2025. Second round pick, 2024. Third round pick. And then again, Minnesota gets their hand in there with the fifth round well, pick for another 25% of Orlov, I think. Yeah. 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 So I'll start with this one. Obviously, I'm the resident Bruins fan here, but I do think that that was a near-perfect trade in terms of addressing what you need. And obviously, like, Boston is already a really, really good team. So it's hard to say, what does this team need? Because, like, they they didn't need a defenseman. They didn't need a depth forward. But they're good assets to have based on their past experience of losing defensemen in the playoffs, losing depth forwards in the playoffs to injury or whatever, right? So, to go out and get two guys who are not just, like, fringe NHL players, but, like, legit competitive guys with playoff experience. They've won Cubs. Orlov with, ha- Hathaway doesn't have a cup. Or- Hathaway, Hathaway, Hathaway wasn't cup. there at the time. Hathaway no. doesn't have a cup, Orlov but Orlov has a cup. Like, can and they can slot much. into the lineup. Like, they, they're not fringe players. They make that Bruins lineup, even though it's as good as it is. They still make the lineup. And yeah. Orlov, and they're both offensively competent too they both contribute offensively like in terms of making a run for the cup it was a perfect trade in terms of throwing away a lot of what you have left for the future yeah obviously it was expensive but the goal is the cup right so it's going to cost you and to be able to get those two players and fit them underneath your cap and then also make the move that they made later on which we'll get to i give it an a plus for a trade well i think this is a great trade for boston because like you said, these are both very, very good players. Garnet mm. Hathaway can play in your bottom six. He's a very high-end bottom sixer. He has grit. He hits. He's a physical player. He can chip in with the occasional goal. That's a good fit. He'd be a good fit really on any team. But Boston, great fourth line. He grew up a Boston fan too. Yep. Like I love that. I love when they get players that grew up Bruins fans. Yep. Every, everybody loves that when they're... Yeah. 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 And Orlov. Orlov, I'm, he's a left shot, top four defenseman, which they could use. We and all like playing... Hunter- <laughs> we we all like Connor Clifton, but yeah. Orlov's a, a way Orlov is a top four defenseman, him. and he's playing third pair right now. I know, now. like he it's, like it's, that speaks to their depth. Yeah, well, like, he's yeah. Just playing on the first pair with yeah. McAvoy a lot, and like, quickly it, they they move around quickly. Getting to the Washington side of this deal for me, this slams the window shut on Washington's competitive. Oh yeah, Stanley I d- Cup contending. I, I disagree. I don't. Uh, I I I disagree with you, Nathan, because Ovechkin he's thirty six. 
He's still great, but I think we're all in the consensus that he's no longer chasing rings. He's just chasing the record. That's what he's there for. Backstrom, he's old and he's got a degenerative hip. Anyone who's injured their hip before knows that's a grueling rehab process and that you're never really the same physically. Uh, Tom Wilson's also had lots of injury issues and you just can't rely on him to be on the ice. Mm-hmm. And Darcy Kemper's got a good track record, but really, um, the Washington defense now is way worse than that Colorado defense. See John Carlson there. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll state my thoughts now. I love this deal for the Bruins personally. This might be... Mm, like I'll well, there's more trades that I'm maybe forgetting. This might be my favorite trade of the deadline. The Bruins like really like hit the hammer on the head on this one. I agree. Like this this is a perfect deal for them. And because they were talking about like Chikrin, they were talking about Gavrikov, and then it just they turned around and got Orlov, and I was like, whoa, this is weird because Orlov is really really good mm-hmm. offensively. He's got his limitations defensively, but like playing with Boston, they're gonna get sheltered i bet yeah yeah um in terms of washington i actually do like them deciding to this isn't their year they they still could get in the playoffs technically but it, the east is just so loaded they realize okay we should probably sell get a few assets and then i think there's a real shot where washington comes back in the offseason they use these assets that they've acquired in these deals and they use them to get younger better players that can help win now and keep their window open. I don't think their window is shut. I still think they have a solid enough team to the point where they can keep their window open if they play their cards right in the offseason. Unfortunately, but- I agree with Joseph, and I think that their window is shut. I, I saw a lot of, like, the narrative online from Washington fans was just, like, relief that they committed to something. A lot of them were like, hey, like, it sucks that the window's closed, but thank you for committing to the rebuild and being like, all right, admitting, not committing, I think admitting is maybe, the word. Maybe, admitting that it's that it's maybe, not their year. Maybe their cup window is closed. Yeah, Their that's playoff what I was... window, I don't oh, think yeah. it's closed. I still think they're like, they, in the right future, they can be like a second round exit in the playoffs. Yeah, mm-hmm. let me just maybe clarify my, my original statements. They're, they can still make the playoffs next year, absolutely. They can still squeak in as a wild card. Their yeah, absolute yeah. ceiling is the second round. Absolute ceiling. They're not getting past there, in my opinion, anymore. I, I don't. I don't like giving teams a ceiling in the playoffs because you never know what's gonna happen. Like you never know. Like teams can just get hot and just be good, and then you're like, "What the hell? Like this team was not supposed to win the well, cup." St. Louis Blues. Right. We can't, don't remind me. Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. I remember first yeah. season. The Ottawa Senators like, have been on fire this year, so yeah, like, well, they could well, Buffalo make it. Yeah, yeah. Buffalo Sabres. Sabres exactly. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'd love to see the Sabres make the playoffs. That fan base has been through so much. That would shit. be very and good. Tage Thompson might be my second favorite player to watch. In the NHL behind Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. like he is so like and Brad Marchand. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about uh, that. Uh, we all know you want Brad Marchand to lick you, Adam. So let's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say no. You wouldn't. Oh yeah, of course you wouldn't say no. This is what I would have to say on the Washington Capitals is I don't know if I would say that they're going to be a rebuilding team going forward. I would say kind of to Nathan's point that using the assets in the offseason to try and retool and to become more competitive again with younger players and to extend their window while Ovechkin and Backstrom are still relatively good uh, in the later half of their careers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's probably what they're going to try and do. Uh, for the Boston Bruins, again, they are going to win the President's Trophy by a mile. And they're probably up there as one of the two, three teams maybe that I think have the best shot at winning the Stanley Cup this year. They are just such a deep team, such a a complete team. They've got all those role players. They've got the depth in place to have success going forward in the playoffs. And for 
getting Dmitry Orlov, now what they can do is they can manage the minutes of the rest of their defensemen. They don't have to overplay everybody. They can spread out everything a little bit more in terms of minute and uh, on-ice game management. So from this perspective, it's a perfect deal for both sides. Honestly, a testament to the depth of that team is the fact that Folino and Hall are both out, and Bertuzzi's still on the third line. Yeah. yeah. So Tyler Bertuzzi's on your third line, and you have Folino and Hall not playing. Mm-hmm. On any other team, that guy's a top six forward. Probably yeah. a top line forward. Absolutely. Yeah, and if we're talking about the playoffs, this is exactly what you want. And the oh. Bruins are just so consistent year after year. Like, they could have won the Cup in the last, like, three, four years. Almost did in 2019. They could easily go on a run, uh, kind of like Tampa, which I see, and so... Obviously, with Orlov, big addition. Uh, Washington, I think their cup run's done, but you still have a 50-goal score next season, most likely. So I don't think the Capitals are done playoffs-wise. I mean, um, you never know. Anything can happen. So Side question on the Washington Capitals. Do you guys think that Ovechkin's going to pull a Jagger and just sign with teams over and over and over again all over the league no. until he breaks the record? Not a chance. He's a capital for life unless... He's, he's breaking production... the record in Washington. Yeah, mm-hmm. unless his production What if Washington falls... doesn't... Do you think there's any chance Washington wouldn't resign him? Unless he's, like, fallen he's, so He's still hard, got, like, three years off. after this, doesn't he? Yeah, so this is year two of a five-year deal. The owner has yeah. literally said and stated to the media that he wants Washington, oh, yeah. uh, Ovechkin to w- oh. retire as a Washington Capitol yeah. and I break the record Obi's, in that jersey. Oh, he's going to break the record in a Capitals jersey, and he's going to play till the end of his contract. Once that contract's up, he's probably going to go play a year or two in the KHL. So, there's no chance. You don't think there's any chance that Ovechkin signs yeah. in Pittsburgh and him and Crosby win a cup together and then ride off into the sunset? That That's would be cool. really, really cool for hockey fans, but no. It yeah, that That's would, a that dream scenario incredible. right there. Yeah, Messi, Ronaldo, no. dynamic. I have to admit be... that I have done that in NHL, oh, yeah. video game. All the and, time. Oh, yeah. You do the Malkin, Crosby, Ovechkin line. I did oh, that yeah. So that's times. like as your power play unit. Yeah. Like, that's mm-hmm. great. It's awesome. Yeah. Like, all right, all right, it'll we... be one more, one more thought quickly. Ovechkin will break the, se- the record, not next season, but the year after. That's what he's on pace for. I think he's at like 817 he's, goals. I think he's on pace to do it like early 2024. Yeah, yeah. so it'll be like the 24-25 season. Yeah, early 2024-2025 season. All right, next Not trade. Vitaly Kratsov to the Canucks for Will Lockwood and a six. Not a big trade, but it... Was it? Oh, it was a seventh. Yeah, yeah. seventh round. Not bad. 2026-7th, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll lead off 2026, this 2026-7th round. This day. isn't a big Jeez. trade, mainly, but... They, Res- resulted in a bigger trade. Yeah. So, well, from the Canucks' point of view, this is a good reclamation pro- um, deal. Like, Vitaly Kravtsov was the ninth overall pick in 2017. He had a really hard time breaking with the Rangers organization, which is struggling big time. Rangers to develop, suck to, at developing yeah. first round picks. Because look, I mean, Lafreniere's had a bit of a nice season. He's having a nice hot month. Kako hasn't done much. Heedle's been up and down. I haven't seen any Braden Schneider this year, personally. But Kravtsov, he did not fit in with them. He went to the AHL, didn't do very much there, went back to Russia. This is going to be a good fresh start for a player who has a lot of upside. Yes, he's another winger, but this is an easy lottery ticket that I think the Canucks... These, this is the kind of moves the Canucks should be making. Young players, Will Lockwood, I think had one point in 25 career games with the Canucks. He's an AHL depth piece. If he makes it, zippity-doo-dah. It's a, it's an Eastern Conference team. Like, who cares? Yeah. And seventh-round pick? Do we think a seventh-round pick is going to turn out in... Three years. Well, this is twenty twenty six seventh. Even like the one in twenty percent chance. Oh, and you that so yeah, we trade. So, so we traded a fifteen year old. Yeah. So Kravtsov was drafted at, at ninth. Ninth overall, what 2019? 17. 2017. Okay, that's so yeah. he's twenty three, I think. 
And he's the guy who threw his silver medal nope, over that the... Was, no, no, no. That's Leah Sanderson. That's Sanderson that's, okay. That is a good point. That is Leah another Sanderson. That is another prospect that the Bruins... Not the Bruins, sorry. The Rangers mishandled. And now I think he's yeah. in the Kings organization. There are a lot... I think, no, he's pretty sure he's in Dallas. He might no, be. that's... Uh, that's Lundqvist. That's Niels Lundqvist. Yeah, that's Lundqvist. Which he's Anyways. having a really good year. He's a young right shot defensive who can move. You're absolutely right. He didn't though. work. Like, he didn't yeah, work. I don't know if it's a matter of drafting and they're just. But it's like you can't really like you can't say drafting with well, like Lafreniere for example because who else are they going to take right? Well, and this is the thing: is the Rangers have been well, really yeah, good, but, but you look at the top end of their lineup and you look at their defense. Like other than Adam Fox, who really kind of developed in the college system, yeah, uh, they have done a pretty poor job developing draft picks. Yeah. And everybody that they have on that team is free agent signing, acquired via trade. So Panarin, Zibanejad, yeah, Panarin, Zibanejad. You could just go down and down the list, and they just have not done well with that. For the Vancouver Canucks point of view, like again, this is a very good exercise in patience for Patrick Alvin because all the reports that were out there about Vitaly Kratsov before this were that the Rangers wanted a more high-end prospect, possibly like Niels Hoaglander, in return in this deal, or a higher draft pick. But what the Canucks did is they waited out Chris Drury and the Rangers organization when they wanted to make the Patrick Kane deal, when they after they had made the Tarasenko deal already, and they were desperate to clear cap space. So the Canucks got lucky here. They were patient, and basically this is what the Rangers got in return for Kratsov was essentially the closest thing you can get to future considerations without it being future considerations. Yeah, like seventh-round pick. Yeah. If that works out, good for the Rangers. Like, yeah, like, no, beautiful ex- exercise in patience yeah. for Patrick Alvin. Now we'll get to some other things about him which aren't very patient down the road, but uh, this deal, it's pretty good for the Vancouver Canucks. I like it Big too. Win. I like it too. I, I mean, I don't think that giving up a seventh round pick for a guy with that much talent, regardless of if it translates to the NHL or not, I don't think that's a bad idea. No. Because even all. if he never makes the NHL, he makes your AHL squad stronger. Yeah. And, and then your other yeah. prospects have somebody to play. Like, that's the thing. That's the thing that hockey fans don't really think about is rebuilding is part of just rebuilding the entire system, right? Because you want a place where guys can develop and and then obviously like the main team. Kravtsov may never be a full-time NHL player. He has the skill for it. It may be late for him in terms of development, but he has the skill for it. Just will it translate? Who knows? But it makes your it makes your organization deeper. It makes it a, yep. a little bit better. And for a seventh-round pick, why not? And right? as a side note, best friends with Facility Pod Colson. Like you were saying earlier, you oh. want you want people that want to be in on, on the team mm-hmm. and in the system. Like the I Dimitri mean, Olaf, or Kansas. sorry, Garden Hathaway. If Kratsov does struggle to crack like NHL time and ends up in the AHL in and out, oh, decent chance he's yeah. probably going to go back to Russia. Though. Oh well, and if so, oh, oh well, well like, you didn't give it's up. It's Will Lockwood, guys. seventh round pick. Yeah. Like, and Will, yeah. yeah, Will Lockwood. I forgot about that part too, but still, yeah. not a lot. Yeah. yeah. Next trade. Yeah. Next trade. Uh, Ivan Barbashev to the Vegas Golden Knights for Zach Dean. I'll start this one. Um, Barbashev is a good third line center. Uh, that's good depth for Vegas. Who personally, I think there's a lot of holes in that lineup. There, um, they did pick up Jonathan Quick, which we'll get to later. Even though he's having a horrendous season, the defensive depth isn't very good, and the forward depth isn't great. Even though Barbashev does um, address that a little bit. Zach Dean, I think this is a really good move for the St. Louis Blues. Dean was a late first round pick in this past draft, the 2022 draft. He was on the Canadian World Junior team that just recently won the golds at the World Juniors. Uh, he was a good player. He plays with it. He plays with edge. He's a good skater, and he was a useful contributor on what some analysts say has been the best uh, World Junior team of the past decade. 
right? So I think this is a really, really smart pick for the St. Louis Blues, who are a team kind of in transition. Because they, they can still compete for a playoff spot next year, in my opinion. Like, I'm a really big Pavel Buchnevich fan. And I think that Zach Dean getting another winger who can play a bit of center, I think this is a really, really good move for the St. Louis Blues. Um, just picking up a young piece. And Barbashev's a UFA, right? So he was probably leaving in the offseason. So this is a tidy bit of business for me. For me, uh, to your point about the Blues making a run at the playoffs, the only thing I'd worry about is Jordan Bennington. I honestly have never thought that Bennington is... I think his stats were very inflated in the first couple seasons. He had had his moments, but if you look at his stats, every single year they've gotten progressively worse. And the guy is such a hothead, he can't control his emotions on the ice. And He's gotten better. I haven't, I haven't heard about it as much he's recently. Gotten, so. He's gotten gotten better than he was, but he still has his moments where you see those videos of him throwing temper well, tantrums and I said yesterday that I hadn't seen Zegras score a highlight reel goal in a while, and then and I go home and I look on Instagram, and, and there he's he going to do a Michigan tonight. In yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, you say these things, and then you realize yeah. it's only been a few months. And well, yeah. it takes the right moment, Bennington. Yeah. There's and no well, way for context, not... this, well, this episode is recorded... Um, March 8th, the Ducks are in Vancouver tonight. So that's Let, what we mean by Michigan tonight. Let's focus yeah. on the trade, though. How do you feel about the trade? Well, Could, again, like to kind of Joseph's point, Zach Dean, very good prospect, played well on the World Junior team. He uh, is, a, is a good pickup at the St. Louis Blues who need to start picking up some assets. They didn't have uh, a lot of success over the last couple of years here in the playoffs, so they need to start um, kind of figuring out what they want to do going forward after uh, their cup run a few years ago. Barbashev to the Golden Knights, I like that. Again, that's, they have a lineup with a lot of big holes in them, partially because of all the money that they've spent elsewhere in their lineup. Uh, I don't know if he brings them over the top to try and make a run at it this year. I still see Vegas as a team that probably exits in the, maybe the second round at the most, but I, I like Barbashev as a pickup for them. He's a good... Uh, piece for the bottom six there. Can we now w let's play a quick funny game for a bit of NHL trivia for you for you How many first round picks has Vegas made that are still in the organization one? I'm pretty sure it is. It is one, right? And who is that? Isn't it White Cloud? I've... No, he no, was a third Hague? rounder. Nope. Shake these no. What? No, Shake I know who it is. Um... I'll give you a hint. Son of an agent. Oh, uh... Brendan Brisson. Uh... Let's go through the years. Cody Glass, gone. Nick Suzuki, gone. Big mistake. <laughs> Eric Branstrom, good little player for my Ottawa Senators. But, you know, that, you could argue that that was a mistake, even though it brought the Mark Stone back. <laughs> Peyton Krebs, that's in the Eichel trade. We got Zach Dean, he's gone too. And I think it's just Brendan Brisson. He's the only first-round pick that they've made. They've been picking since 2017, and now he's the only one that they have left. That's actually that's a great segue into how I feel about this trade. I, I love... Vegas's mentality of treating cap space as an asset. I hate their mentality of not treating their prospects as real assets. Like, yeah. they just throw them away like it's nothing. Yeah. Like you said, Zach Dean's a good prospect. Mm -hmm. To throw him away for a guy like Ar Ivan Barbashev, who's a great player, but a depth piece, especially on a playoff team. Who's probably leaving after this Probably season. leaving after this year. He's a rental. He's but, a rental. But, but hold on, hold on. Let me finish with this thought. Probably leaving after this year. And then... Really, the only other big trade you make is for Jonathan Quick, right? Which we'll so, get to. So we'll get to that. But, like, you didn't really make a whole lot of significant trades. You didn't really get a whole lot better. Your team was already pretty mid. Not even the best team in the West. The East is 
stacked. Yep, I have is them. this your year to win the cup if you're Vegas? Think about No, it's not. Uh, so why it's like you're going to go and you go acquire a couple depth pieces, one of which is for sure leaving in the offseason, not for sure, but probably leaving in the offseason, and you just give up another prospect for a year that you're probably not going to yep. do it. So what was the point, well, right? Well, let me, let, me, let me say, I don't like them just constantly getting rid of prospects because Vegas should have had, like, a 10-year dynasty by now. If they treated <laughs> it right, they could have had, like, a 10-year dynasty. They were really good off the start. They had so many draft picks and, and like, cap space and stuff. If they played it right, they could have been a dynasty. But they've kind of, and they were looking that way when they got, like, Mark Stone, uh, they got Petrangelo. Like, they were looking like they were going to be really, really good. And mm. then they've kind of fumbled it away by trading all these picks, all these like they have like no money now, yep. like so can't bring Barbashev back. No, no money. yeah. But the thing is, think about how wide open the West is this year. Like, Col- there's a lot of question marks with Colorado right now with injuries wise. Like, I, d- I just don't know if they're gonna be, and it's really hard to go back to back, right? Mm-hmm. We oh, yeah. can all agree on that. Yeah. yeah. Like, who else in the West is that much of a threat? Like, Edmonton. I'm LA. a big Ed- I really LA think is strong. I just Edmonton. LA is the wild I'm never card. counting Connor McDavid. Neither will I. But the thing is, Edmonton with McDavid and Drysdale, two top five players in the league. I think that is like 100. percent You can say that. You McDavid. say top three even maybe. Yeah, depending even, on how you yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. But they have no goaltending. They uh, have uh, the, Stuart Skinner. Stuart they Skinner have. Really well. They have like the best player in the world by far. And they still right. are a wild card We're getting team. A they off track suck. Here. We're getting a little off track yeah. here. Let's we'll, focus we'll on, the, let's we'll focus on the trades. Let's we'll focus on there. the trades. All right, next one. One, one last note on uh, Barbashev. His agent is Dan Milstein. I'll uh, just leave don't, it at don't that. Say <laughs> it. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. I uh, I would announce this Timo Meyer rushes. trade, but all right, I, I can do the Timo. I can do the Timo Meyer trade. Okay, so this was a big trade. Sorry, Adam. Oh, never mind. Yep. Sorry, sorry. Keep going. Timo Meyer went to the New Jersey Devils along with Scott Harrington, Timur Ibrahimov, Santiri Hataka, Zachary Emond, a 2024 fifth round pick. I think I said all those names right. And San Jose retained 50% of the salary. And then New Jersey gave up Andreas Janssen, Fabian Zetterlund, Shakir Mukamadulin, Nikita Okochuk. A conditional 2023 first round pick, conditional 2024 second round pick, and a 2024 seventh round pick. Okay. Well, Adam, a lot to break down yeah, I'll here. I'll give you a little, your voice a bit of a break there. Yeah. But Timo Meyer is one of the premier power forwards in this game. Mm-hmm. He is a he's a good skater. He has an excellent shot. He produces on a pretty lousy San Jose team. So how he's gonna? It's a big upgrade in talent. He's went from playing with a pretty washed up Logan Couture to a very good Jack Hughes. Mm-hmm. Like this is a huge upgrade for him. And Scott Harrington, depth, who cares? And the other prospects, um, I don't recognize them off the top of my head, Which, and I'm pretty big into prospects. So I'm going to assume that these are just some contracts San Jose wanted to get off their books. San Jose got fleeced yeah. in this well, deal, if you ask me. Well, let's go through it. Andreas Janssen, third liner at best. He's overpaid. He's been injured this season. I think he's only played five games. But he can, he can fill out a roster spot. He can help them with their tank. They want Bedard. That market needs a superstar like Bedard. Like you look at San Jose games, like it's it's half full a lot of the times. Yeah. Like yeah. And it, it really you wonder like you always hear about Arizona relocation. I'm not necessarily suggesting this for San Jose, but I wonder if the NHL could have a do over. They'd go to the Bay Area and they deal with San Francisco over San Jose, right? Because mm-hmm. that's a huge market that the NHL isn't really in, and that doesn't really get uh, talked about all that much. They've got a building in San Francisco. Yep, they got the yeah, um, the Chase play. Center. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, anyways. 
Uh, Fabian Zetterlund, I'm pretty sure he was a second round pick a couple years ago. He could be something. You never know. He's big. Middle six yeah. at most. Yeah. Shakir Mukwadulin, uh, a little bit of Vancouver trivia. That was the draft pick that the Canucks traded to Tampa Bay in the JT Miller trade. Mm-hmm. Such a great right. trade. I know. Actually, that is a good trade. Um, Nikita Oktyuk, uh, I think he's AHL depth. And then three picks. Conditional first, conditional second, and a seventh round pick. So really, if you boil that down to, you have a couple lottery tickets in Zetterlund and Mukmadulin, a third liner, and only two picks that you care about, which is the first and the second. I don't care about seven I, I, picks. I think, you're, undersell- I think you're underselling those prospects a little bit. Mukmadulin is a good... He's very skilled. He's a very skilled... I remember Defense when he got them. drafted, thinking that that... He got drafted at the end of the 20th, first round. 20th overall. 20th overall, yeah, yeah. So I remember thinking that was a steal of a pick. He's, 2019 he's, draft. He's, he's an undersized, skilled defenseman, right? Yeah, right shot. Yeah. He's, a, so, he's a puck mover. No, I mean, I, the fact that New Jersey didn't give up any of their blue chip prospects, nope. any of their, like... No Holtz, no like No uh, Holtz, Nemich. no that's... Nemich, no Hughes, like Luke Hughes. Like, no, Luke Hughes isn't getting touched. <laughs> Jack oh, well, Yeah, Jack but, uh, but just, just, to, just to throw his name in there as one of their best prospects, yeah. right? Nemich and and uh, the other guy that you said... Holtz. And Holtz, Alexander Holtz, yeah. They didn't have to give up any of those guys for a first-line player to be plugged into their team. Who's and got a year have... of control. And to have fifty percent of his but salary he, retained, I don't know if he's going to get signed. And just quickly, I have the condition, the conditions on the pick. Um, it, I'll just be short. It's not going to happen. The conditions aren't going to be met. Like for example, um, the first round pick that the Devils are giving up. If that's a top two pick, it slides to next season, the twenty twenty four draft. That's not happening, right? So it's going to be a twenty twenty third pick. Twenty twenty three pick. So this this that's trade it. it reminds me a lot of the chicken trade. Where it just feels like a few teams this year had players that have been on the block for a long time, like even before this year had started, and they overplayed their hand, and all the teams that were in on them weren't anymore, and they just kind of had to go with what was left. And New Jersey was probably the only team left that had anything worth value to give up for Timo Meyer, and they went, all right, well, I guess that's what we got to go with. I just Sorry, Ben. I just no. want to make one more point, and I'll shut up. Like... There's a really underrated part of the Timo Meyer trade that people aren't talking about. Timo Meyer is an RFA at the end of the season, but he has a ten million dollar qualifying offer. Ten and a half. No, it's ten. I thought it's, it was ten. It's and ten and even. Mm-hmm. So uh, that means, for those who don't know, in order to retain his negotiation rights, the um, New Jersey Devils have to offer him ten million dollars for the next season on a one-year deal, which would walk him right to UFA. How many teams have the cap space to do that? Does New Jersey have the cap space to do that? Not necessarily, no. right? So, you can honestly look at this as a rental because there's yeah. a real good chance that they don't qualify him at the $10 million. I love Timo Meyer. He's a great player. Is he a $10 million player? No. No. There's He's a really not. good chance that he is his rights are traded before the draft, yeah. I think. Who knows? Maybe he plays phenomenally and they do give him the $10 million. But that's what scares a lot of teams off because really, he may be an RFA, but really, he's a UFA because of that qualifying offer. Ben? Right. Yeah. Well, and again, this this kind of just all goes back to GMs being patient. That's what happened. Like, the ask for Jacob Chikorin was huge. And what did he end up going for? A couple draft picks. That was it. Timo Meyer, same deal. The ask was huge, but then the cost came down closer to the deadline. So GMs played their hands well. They played it patiently. They didn't give up uh, negotiation room, and they uh, the price eventually came down, and they hit a home run. 
And that, I think, is what happened here for the New Jersey Devils in this trade, is they got a player that can play with Jack Hughes, can is one of the best power forwards in the game, like you said, and is going to help them try and hopefully do it, make a deep playoff run. I don't know if that's going to happen based on how deep the East is, but it, all around this is a very, very good move by Tom Fitzgerald and the New Jersey Devils organization. I'm going to quickly say my thoughts and then we'll move on. Um, if I'm the... well, We got Tony too, so let's not forget about Tony. Oh, right. yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're talking about we'll Yeah, go ahead. I don't, I don't know too much about the prospects, to be honest, but I'm just looking at Timo Meyer. Like, obviously, it's strengths New Jersey, and I think they're one of the winners in the overall tra- trade window. Maybe Boston or Edmonton contenders as well, but obviously you have a good pairing with Jack Hughes. Um, but, no, I, I don't have too much to say about the other prospects. So um, a clear W in your mind for uh, New Jersey. I think Timo Meyer is, like, a yeah, fantastic fit beside Jack Hughes, like, line-mate-wise. Like, I think Hughes can give them puck. Mm-hmm. Team of ours really big, can go in the corners and stuff, and got a really good shot. And I do think, like, New Jersey, I knew he was going to end up in New Jersey. I think everyone did for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it just made the most sense yeah. out of every team that was in on him from the I, beginning. It's, I don't like the return, mostly for San Jose, especially because they didn't really get a top prospect out of it. Well, Luke Madulin's okay. Yes. He's a B-level prospect. I would have really rather them... I would have taken less for them to get either one of Holtz or Nemec. Yeah, I know, I know Nemec was probably not getting oh, no. moved by New Jersey. Like yeah. they probably had him untouchable. But I mean, if you could have taken less to get him, I probably would have done that because I think Nemec is going to be really, really good. I have a hard at a time, very though, valuable like, position too at a right shot defenseman. Oh, I have a hard time thinking that Holtz wasn't somewhat available. Like, like I, I have a hard time though. being convinced that there wasn't an option that involved Holtz. Like, I can understand that, like, obviously, like you said, Hughes is untouchable, and I, I just mentioned him earlier just for the sake of mentioning their high-level prospects. But, like, Holtz comes to me as, like, the one high-level prospect they have that I think is, like, somewhat movable, and the fact that they didn't get him, just, it doesn't make any sense. It, it, it feels like they went, here's a package with a bunch of players, and here's a package with Holtz, and they probably went with the package with a bunch of players. Yeah. Because they were like, yeah. oh, well, there's more depth here and like you never know what these guys can turn out and to. remember I mean, remember i think they're trading carlson in the summer so they might yeah. need another defenseman and move Madulin. yeah personally yeah all right let's move on okay uh tanner Geno to the tampa bay lightning for cal foot a 2025 top 10 protected first round pick a 2024 second round pick a 2023 third round pick a 2023 fourth round pick and a 2023 fifth round pick to Nashville. <laughs> oh here we go so this is this is the trade that it, it takes both sides of the conversation, right? There's the conversation of like, well, you know, if you have a chance at the cup, you go for it. It doesn't matter how much it costs, blah, blah, blah. They gave up two firsts for Hagel last year, and it's like clearly Tampa is just like, oh, we want to go for the cup. Mm-hmm. We're going to do what it takes to build a team that has a chance to do it again because this is the dynasty years, and let's go for it. There's also the conversation of, holy shit, did we overpay for somebody who is not nearly as good as somebody like maybe, uh, and I'll take it back to Boston, a Bertuzzi, who got a lot less of a return. Like, it, it, I understand their mentality in requiring Janelle. I understand what they're trying to do. I understand, like, oh, we lo- we're looking at a Toronto team that we're going to meet in the playoffs. They're just going to go and try and bully them. We're going to bully them because they're they're Which small worked. and skilled, but they're it's a bunch the of... But they're a soft team. They're soft, soft, right? Yeah. So let's get a Janot who's going to kick the shit out of everybody. Yeah, like, like, but then, like, to give up all of that 
is just mind-blowing to me. Like, it... here, Here's what's going on with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you saw this a little bit with Nick Paul last year, is they think that they can try and get players who are on the younger side, who play kind of more of an, a depth role, middle six, bottom six kind of uh, role on your team, and extend them for long-term on the cheap. That's what they did with Nick Paul. That's probably what they're now going to try and do with Tanner Chanel. Who's an RFA. Who is an RFA and who has control. So they think that they can sell him on the fact like, hey, look, we're the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're going to sign you for five years at $2.5 million per or something like that. And we are going to have success in the playoffs and you are going to be able to win a Stanley Cup here. That's the selling point that the Tampa Bay Lightning has. Also, Florida. There's no state tax down there. So that two and a half, three million dollars that they give Tanner Janot on a new contract, he's keeping pretty much a hundred percent of that. Yep. Why do you think Tampa Bay can sign all these players to lower cap hits yep. like nine and a half? Why do you think Stamkos is making under nine? Like that's, that's why fine. they don't have the state tax. And it same thing goes for Vegas. Players sign there because they get to keep the majority of their money. Right. And you know, here's the interesting thing. This is kind of going against a popular trend, but I actually like this trade quite a bit for Tampa Bay. Because look at their track record. Barkley Goudreau for a first-round pick. Did anyone like that trade? No. No. And what no. happened? Two Stanley Cups? Who cares about the first-round pick? Um, Blake Coleman. They gave up a couple draft picks for him, too. And he was excellent. Those two players were huge, huge parts of their back-to-back -back Cups. Right? And with this one, Tanner Juneau, he's fast. He's physical. He plays the exact playoff type of hockey that the Tampa Bay Lightning traditionally employ with players like Ross Colton, Patrick Maroon, and Corey Perry. Mm -hmm. He can play on the third line, which is where he's suited. He was playing up in the lineup with Nashville, which is part of the reason why his production's down, because Nashville just isn't very good. Minutes better. Yep. It's, and that's can huge. Do that. And he doesn't have the, uh, as much miles on the odometer as some Tampa Bay's players have. Because if you look at the past decade, the Tampa Bay Lightning's playoff history, they've been to the finals four times since 2015. They're 2-2 two two in that span. They have two cups, which is excellent, but that's a lot of hockey to be playing. And it's good to get a younger player. You know, I'm pretty sure he's 24 years old. Without mm -hmm. a lot of miles on him, He can. this is going to be a great situation for him. Tampa Bay knows how to develop their players. I personally think John Cooper is the best coach in the league. Uh, he can get a lot out of this player. And honestly, do you like, like look at look at the stuff here. Like, do we really care um, about the 2023 third-round pick? Not really. Yeah, I, w I will say, like... I'll put myself into the mentality of a Tampa Bay fan. Whenever you're one of those really good teams and you give up a first-round pick, it's really just a glorified second, you yep. know? And yep. you're kind of like, yeah, it sucks to lose a first-round pick, but it's going to be, like, pick 20 or later, which really, like, what are the chances of that even panning out? They're not that great. Yeah, if you not look that at, great. There's, there's, like, there's data charts over, like, the years of late picks, and they odds of them becoming, like, good NHL players, it's, like, very, like, less than 5%, I'm pretty sure. Oh, so yeah. still good bargaining chips, though, those picks. Like, you look yeah. at that for Tampa, like, you're right, they're not a big deal considering, like, the standings that... I just think, if you're Tampa making this deal last year for Jono, the value is almost there. Jono was pretty good last year. Yeah, Jono scored, yeah, like, 20 goals. 24, 24 goals. Yeah, and, and a lot of penalty minutes, which a lot of... Which, to it. I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, and I know a lot of old school, a lot of new school, sorry, analytics people don't like to look at penalty minutes as a positive stat. And, you know, I do genu generally believe in them. But I remember a couple years ago, there was Valerie Nishushkin, who's now an excellent player. But he had no goals and no penalty minutes in his last season with Dallas. 
So what is he really even doing? Like, he's just out there skating. Like, you need players um, who muck it up in the playoffs because we all know mm-hmm. the whistles go away in the playoffs. Well, right? like you said, like, I don't have anything against acquiring Janot. Janot's a great player. Yeah. Like, he is a really good He belongs in the NHL, and he belongs on a Stanley Cup team. Like, there's not a doubt in my mind he makes that Tampa Bay roster. Obviously, he's going to play the whole playoffs. He's a great player. Yeah. It's just what they give up for him does seem like a loss. But he does have offensive upside. Like, we've seen it in Nashville. I don't know what's going on with him this year, why he's got so well, few goals, why the offensive production is not there. He's been but banged like, up. Who is having a good year in Nashville this year? Like, just besides like besides the really good players, the top, yeah. like the Yossi's and the Duchesne's. Yossi's not, not even having a good year. Yossi's not even having like. No. And, and like, when I say who is having a good year, I just mean like in I mean, comparison like to what they're. The but the in comparison to what they're capable of, who's having a good year, right? Duchesne. Duchesne. You can say Duchesne's having an above expected season. But then again, say. but that's like one really guy on a full roster, like one guy on a full roster. You know, like. And they're they is, watching them play. They look uninspired. They in, look like like there's just not a lot going on in that. In my opinion, Nashville. This is very similar for me to the Gar- the Garnet Hathaway aspect of the Washington thing. We can vo- we can all agree that Nashville is probably on the downturn. They are their window is shut. You can even argue their playoff window is shut. Where we agree that Washington is still capable of making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. This is this. Look at all these draft picks for Nashville. David Poyle and incoming general manager Barry Trotz. Mm-hmm. Like this is a lot of bargaining chips and lottery tickets for Trotz, who's someone who doesn't have any management experience whatsoever. It can only be positive for him to have as much draft picks as possible in his first draft. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> Nashville is definitely the winner in my yes. mind. Like, I I don't think that it's as bad as people are making it out to be for Tampa Bay, but Nashville is just... I mean, they're one of my winners of the deadline. If Tampa wins the, the cup, then. then it's a win-win deal. Yeah, I just... For now, I, 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 I question Tampa's like thought process in making this deal, but at the same time, we've questioned it before. It's worked out well before. So this is a big to-be-determined, in yes. my opinion. Yes. Uh, Jake McCabe to, and Sam Lafferty and a conditional 24-24 fifth and a conditional 20-25 fifth to the Leafs. Jake McCabe is also getting 50% of his salary retained. So that's a $2 million cap it. Yeah. For Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogolev. Who, um, the the Blackhawks actually today have terminated Pavel Gogolev's contract. Right, that did happen. So he's not even a real player in this trade. Yeah, so let's just... um, uh, Unconditional first-round pick in the 2026. So basically Anderson and two draft picks. Again, this is one of those trades that kind of feels like... Dubis is sort of like, oh no, my contract's expiring. I gotta make it look like, yeah, like I gotta make it look like I really did something this deadline. I disagree. I love this deal for the Leafs. I I I love this way more than I love the O'Reilly deal. I actually agree with Nathan. This makes so much more sense because it's not like these guys are rental players and you're giving up the first. No, these guys still got another year left on their contract each. Mm. McCabe has two years left. Right. Yeah. And, and at a $2 million cap it, that's excellent And McCabe's value. a top four defenseman. Yeah, he's left shot, which they have a lot of. He's he's good in his own zone. He can chip in offensively. Is he a perfect defenseman? Fuck no, of course not. And Sam Lafferty's a fourth liner. He's riding a very high inflated shooting percentage this season. But really, it's McCabe. And now if you look Joey Anderson, he's a quad A player, which basically means he's too good for the AHL, but he can't produce on an NHL level. He's, he's basically Nick Patan. Is what Joey Anderson is. <laughs> Conditional first, that's probably going to be about the 20, 21, 22 range, I would think, if the Leafs do their usual lose in the first rounds. And 2026 20, second round pick, I really don't think Kyle Davidson 
the GM of the Blackhawks did very well here. Like, Lafferty uh, was a player. A I lot don't of think people he did no, bad. I, I, mean, think, I think it was a very good win-win deal. I, I, I think mean, McCabe and Lafferty aren't really worth a first and a second. But... Tony, what's your thoughts? Uh, honestly, this is one that I don't know too much on. No. Jake McCabe trade. I can't talk more defenseman. Like it's. I think it's. I'm, a, I'm still not convinced with the Leafs roster, but you know what? Well, and again, right shot defense is what the Leafs actually did need to address. And they get left. another left shot defenseman. The the good aspect, like you guys were talking about, is the 50 percent retained. Two more years on, uh, his contract left at two million dollars, which is is a good asset to have. And again, if that's something that you need to move off of down the line, it's, it makes it all that more easier. He's a top four defenseman a lot of people see him as that uh a lot of people think that he might be a more of a borderline bottom four but it's uh you know for the leafs they're trying to make a run at it this year uh we'll see if it works it hasn't worked any other year so uh you're you're right on that and i'm still skeptical because it's the first round leaves this in my opinion is hands down the best team the leafs are going to put forward in a playoff series I, okay. I think this is their this is their time. Maybe. I agree. I agree with you on the fact that you like this better than the O'Reilly trade. I agree with you on that because I will say they're actually addressing what they need to address. Like this this trade is more along the lines of what I was expecting from the Leafs this deadline. The O'Reilly trade I wasn't expecting because it just seemed like it's yeah they needed they need piece. depth, but it's just kind of like I, I don't know. It just this trade is more line of what what I was expecting, and I'd like it better. But it's just very blah. Like, it's yeah. just like, with everything that was available and all the teams that you would say are contenders who need defensemen, and then you see, like, oh, Edmonton goes and picks up Ekholm. Perfect fit. And then you see, I don't want to call Ottawa a contender, but you see Ottawa goes and picks up Chikrin. LA goes and picks up Gavrikov. And then the Leafs go and they get Jake McCabe. And you're just kind of like, that's not a name that fits with those others. So all these, and yeah, okay, no, listen, I, Leafs, well, hold on. Leafs fans will come at me and be like, well, the Leafs aren't that bad defensively. And, and what not. are they, we're seventh in goals against or something like that, right? And that's true, but you're also going to be playing Tampa in the first round. Yeah. And if you get past Tampa, you're probably playing Boston in the well, second round. Here's and the, th- the biggest defenseman you picked up was Jake Jake McCabe. McCabe, yes, he's not the biggest name. But the thing is, and I know Dubis definitely isn't looking ahead to next year. But when you get this guy for next... Yeah, I know. When you get him for $2 million for the next two seasons, and he's, what, what's he making, $4 million right now? So, yeah, and... And that's probably what he's about worth, and you're getting him for, like, $2 $2 million million. cheaper than what he's probably worth for two more seasons after this. Yeah, in terms of value for the regular season, yeah, it's a great trade. In terms of Dubas' last year in his contract, and he wants to make a run for the Cup, and the biggest defenseman you picked up was Jake McCabe, you didn't address goaltending whatsoever. You gave up. They didn't need to address goaltending. Yes, they do. They do. They're not going to pass the first round. Okay, dude. That Tampa Bay team is going to eat Samson on the Murray alive. Uh, Sure. see what the Canucks did to Matt Murray the other night? Like, seriously. Wasn't even that bad, was it? Well, no, Four was... goals on twenty-two shots is pretty bad. Yeah, Since when were you a Leafs it's, fan? It's Matt Murray. I'm not. I hate the Leafs. You know this, but I'm just saying. Um, like, oh, God. <laughs> well, okay. Let's just let do it. Nathan, Nathan just let me do it. Right let me do a quick. All right, Jake okay. McCabe for Norris no, 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 Trophy. No. Nathan Bailey. No, no, no. Let Corey me do him. A, just give me a minute here, guys. Let me do a thought experiment. Let's say the Leafs beat Tampa. They slay all their demons. They win in seven games. 
And then they go and get their fucking asses kicked by Boston. Is that a successful season? <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Like, like, it's not. The bar it's is so Boston. low. Yeah. This is the bar in Toronto. You need to, like, for those who can't see, obviously, it's a podcast. Listen. I got, like, my hands, like, at my knees. Like, that's, that is the bar for Toronto. Joseph's also even a very tall first, person. Listen, yes, even if for the first round, Jake McCabe actually plays as a top four defenseman, that Tampa Bay team is going to destroy the sure. fuck out of them. By the time they get to the second round, Jake McCabe is an AHL defenseman. Yeah, like, like, like here's, here's <laughs> compared to that everything whole Boston defense, has. They don't even have a number one. Morgan Riley is not a no. number one Morgan Riley's a three. No. Offensively, he's a two and a half. Defensively, he's like a six. Like, like, anyway. He can't play defense. No. Morgan Riley can't play defense. Like, He's a power play specialist. Fans, That's it. Are, it's a bar for yeah. Dubas so low that you win one round and your ass is kicked by Boston because that's what's going to happen. Oh, Boston, and then not they're going to give him a pat on the back and be like, oh, like, look. Good job, Leafs, Dubas. Here's a contract success. extension. Well, First, I can already see the TSN Instagram posts right oh, now. The it, curse yeah. is broken. And you're going to yeah. be like, oh, my God. Dude, they got the first round. Like, like scrap a seven games. Like, so, I mean, seven other teams got the first round. You won't, you won't see a mention about obviously it. Obviously, McCabe and Lafferty, they're good players. This could... this. Hey, who knows? We had The playoffs haven't started yet. This could be a good, a good move, and I do think it's a good move. But I just think with the Leafs, the bar is so low. No, it just... Is, okay. Is, yeah. No, just, Nathan, just... Let me finish, Nathan. Okay. Is the second round really a successful season? No, this it's is not. playoffs number seven for Matthews. No, Washington, no. Boston, Boston, Columbus, Montreal, Tampa. You beat Tampa, and then you get your ass is kicked by Boston. Is that really a success? No, no. no I'm not. gonna. I'm Keith gonna... and Dubas should still lose their jobs in that. Instance. Maybe not Keith. I like Sheldon Keith. No, I like uh, Sheldon Keith. I like Sheldon Keith. Alright, move on. Right, I just my mouth shut on that. Oh, hey, we're going right back to the Leafs too because the next one actually. No, no, no. I know, yeah. We so, hey, so, can, can, can I combine it? I will say, it. I will say, it's okay that McCabe isn't that great of a defenseman because they did pick up the Norris Trophy this, the Norris Trophy winning defenseman this year in Eric Gustafson, <laughs> the <laughs> greatest <laughs> defenseman uh, Eric in the NHL. He, Eric Gustafson. He is a number five on a good team. And like, you gave up Rasmus Sandin. And they got Luke Shen as well. And you know Luke, how many Luke Shen's an all-star. Like they have Luke. so many, they have a glut of defensemen. Like Lil Jagrin, who I actually really like, he, yeah. is he on the outside looking in? Like, are you gonna play Luke Shen over Timothy Lil Are you gonna yeah, play they, Eric Gustav? Fucking Gustafson. Okay, hold on. Okay, they're playing Luke Shen can, with Riley. Can we just agree to so for this part? Let's just combine these two trades: the Shen and here. the Gustafson trade. Okay, we'll combine these two trades because the Leafs got Shen, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So let's just we'll talk about both these trades Great at the same trade time. By once again. So so let me just go over these trades. Okay. So Luke Shen to the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> for a third for a third round pick. No in my opinion, the best defenseman they picked up of the three of no. McCabe and well, Gustafson. Most in terms of what they need out of a defenseman, yes, sure, yeah, and what they needed. Then yeah, yeah, they didn't have anybody like that. And they also and they also got Eric Gustafson. Um. And a first-round pick but for that, Rasmus that's, that's a second-round pick, basically, because it's Boston. Yeah, it's Boston's first-round pick. So it's essentially going to be, like, probably yeah. 30. So I just think overall. with this Sandine trade, Rasmus Sandine is 23 years old. Overall. <laughs> I love this for Washington. <laughs> nice, nice sly little yeah. tra- <laughs> like, trying to slide it Like, by. Sandine has a lot of potential. He's a left shot. He's going to go to a place in Washington where I think he'll play second-pair minutes because John Carlson's number one. This is an excellent deal for Washington because he's so young. He's on a cheap deal. He makes $1.4 million through next season. It's They're repli- getting younger. Yeah, they're getting younger. And, 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 and Eric Gustafson, he's a UFA. It's like, the beginning of the retool for Washington. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to my point before, how I think that Washington wants to stay competitive. 
through to the end of Backstrom and Ovechkin's careers, while those two guys are still good hockey players, this is them getting younger. They basically essentially replace Orlov with Rasmus Sandin, who's a who's like, younger, like you said, very cheaper. good. Yeah, he's not as good as Orlov. No, he could be. He, he could, could be. get there. Could no, the, get the bar there. is high for Sandin, and I think that I just the Leafs like Gustafsson again. You get another offensive only defenseman who can't defend to save his life. He's a black holder. I, 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 black I remember hole. when he was in he's Montreal in their, <laughs> their cup run. I don't get the horrible, And he was literally mentality. their sixth defenseman. <laughs> yeah. Would not play unless it was power play. He would run power play one, but he would yeah. not play if it otherwise. Like, And I'm pretty sure he's a UFA. I can't confirm that, but I'm so pretty he sure he's will, So oh, he yeah. will he'll fit in it. very, very well on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, lo- he'll lose. <laughs> like, like, he'll like, bring them back to what... Yeah. That I, organization is hey, supposed to be, which is just a problem. terrible. <laughs> yeah, can I can I finish off my least point too? By the way, um, I just got to say the problem with the Leafs in the past few years. Sure, some years it might have been goaltending, but their team wasn't that good. There was it was also really early then for them. In some years, it was the fact that their just depth wasn't good enough. They weren't physical enough. Blah blah whatever. It, it was just too much money allocated to the top guys. This year is the most depth team they've had. Sure, you can argue the goaltending isn't great, but Sam Sonoff has actually been very serviceable this year. But the, like, the depth is what's really concerning me this year, like, as a Leafs hater. Like, I think it's the best they've been in years, and I think this is finally the year where they actually might have the best shot at breaking through and beating Tampa. Let me ask you this, okay? So they got Shen, Gustafson, and McCabe, and what they gave up was a third-round pick... Rasmus Sandin, and Boston's uh, first. Joey Anderson, conditional first round pick, and a 2026 second round pick. All that value they give up combined. You think they could have combined all of that in a package for a guy like Ekholm? Instead of getting those three defensemen, getting one really good quality Probably defenseman? Probably yes, but long term outlook it would not have made se- not made sense for them because... But why they got is a- Dubas thinking short? Or why... why, why? Because he's trying to save his job. That's exa- why. No, but that's what I mean. It's like, you say long-term outlook, it wouldn't have made sense. Well, if I'm Dubas, I don't give a fuck. Because I'm, I'm probably gone next year so anyway. So you want him so to pull just- a Jim Benning and sign every possible bottom, like, six forward, basically? Yeah. That's no, basically I what you're saying. Go, no, he wants no. him to do the OEL trade? That's no, I want him to go and get something big that's going to make right. you feel like you have a so chance this Echo year. Like, this is, no, no, just hold on. This is an L for Dubas. We're all in, a, we're all in an agreement. Which oh, is a well, no, I, don't, I disagree. One, one no, last, I, okay. I think the Luke Shen trade is a W. Sorry, I, actually sorry, think, I think the Sandine trade. I think the Sandine trade is an L. One last thing on the Leafs is if you look at the limited amount of time that Luke Shen has now been back on the Leafs playing with Morgan Riley. It hasn't been that great. It just goes to show that him playing with Qu- Quinn Hughes over the past couple seasons has really inflated Luke Shen's numbers. Oh, yeah. Because Morgan Riley, defensively, is nowhere even close to where Luke Shen is. He's slow, he can't move the puck in the same way, and just the skill level isn't the same. So it hasn't been that good, Shen and Riley. So that's just one thing to look at going forward. Oh, let's move on now. Matthias Ekholm. Matthias Ekholm and his 2024 sixth round pick to Edmonton for Tyson Berry, Reed Schaefer, 2023 first round pick, and a 2024 fourth. Okay. I like this. I'll start on this one, guys. Um, you want to start on yeah, everyone. <laughs> I, I love, okay, I'm a kind of a quasi Oiler fan because I really want to see Connor McDavid do well. So Matthias Ekholm is an excellent defensive defenseman. He's 31 years old, 32. He signs through the next 
three seasons after this one. He's big, he's strong, he's a left shot, which the Oilers need more than right shots. Um, it's kind of interesting the way it works with them because they have Bouchard, who's a really good right shot defenseman. Is he in really my opinion, good? he's got a lot of potential. Sure, Tyson Berry. Really Tyson Berry's gone. We all like Tyson Berry, but the only reason he has 50 points on the year is because he plays on that power play. You can just have Broberg play on the power play. You don't lose very much. Reed Schaefer, first-round pick last season. He was the last pick in the first round, 32nd overall. He was on the Canadian World Junior team as well. He was a 13th forward, didn't do very much. Maybe he can be a third-liner in the future in, like, 2028, but who knows if McDavid's still around in 2028, right? So we don't care about Reed Schaefer. First-round pick this year, fourth-round pick next year. I really like this trade for the Oilers. I'm of the opinion that Connor McDavid is the most talented player in the history of the sport, and I really want him to win a cup in Edmonton, and Matthias Ekholm brings him something they don't have. His puck retrieval skill is excellent. He's very good on the boards. He can skate. He can shoot a little bit. He is the ideal defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers. Who The West is wide open. Because Colorado's hurt. The Kings, we don't know what the Kings are. They could surprise, but I'm personally not a big Kings guy. The Knights are frauds. And who knows what the Stars are, right? I think the West is wide open for the Oilers to win. And I think this is an excellent step um, in regards to a deep playoff run. I think it addresses a lot of the problems they've faced in previous years, much like Toronto, because I think they have a lot of the same issues, like two all-stars like Drysdale and McDavid, and they can't make it as far as they do. It's kind of a joke, and that's why the bar is so high. But now we have Ekholm, which they're at least addressing some of the defensive issues. Like Darnell Nurse might be good, but he's still not an all-star in my opinion. And, I mean, you guys think Skinner is, you know, a good goalie, but I, I really don't give him as much credit as you guys do. And I, I think the LA Kings are kind of a wild card, and they might surprise a lot of people, but as far as the Edmonton Oilers go, I, I think they might get past the first round, but I don't see them winning the cup at all. Here, here's how I feel about this trade. This is the equivalent to the Hampus Lindholm trade last year. This is so similar in my eyes, because this is the type of trade that takes your defense from a good defense, like relatively good defense some nights yeah maybe not that great some of the guys and to a to a great defense because a name like Ekholm bumps everybody down that lineup by one and all of a sudden you have everybody playing where they should be yep. playing plus they're both swedish too so it's kind of like <laughs> well know. every team what's, what's our right side now bouchard uh cc, uh, CC and they aren't Right. Listen, every team needs a giant Swedish defenseman. I I believe it. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. I think every well, team needs that second make, makes me really giant happy. Swedish defenseman who just fucking kills people also, and can just make that that outlet pass. Yeah, he doesn't exactly have dangles, but you know he'll he'll slap one home on the power play every now and then. Like, I actually I don't think Ekholm will be making the power play units on on that Edmonton <laughs> hey, team. Hey, you never but, know. But. What I'm getting at is that this is a this is a great trade for Edmonton. And yeah, he's a little bit older, but he's got term. Yep. Three years. And he makes your defense so much better. Because now you have that guy who is that defense yep. first defenseman. No. And he's big. And all and I I think we've all seen the interview where the Oilers GM Ken Holland where he's talking about how big their defense is. And he's yep. like, Oh, we're so big, six foot four, six foot three, and they can all skate. They're massive. Like it's, they're so much better with the acquisition of Ekholm, and I, I just love this trade. I just love this trade. And I just think that Ekholm makes that defense so much more solid. Like they just, they're so much scarier to play against, right? And now it's not just, now it's not just McDavid and Drysdale are gonna kill you every night. And obviously, that's not giving enough credit to Nugent Hopkins Hyman. and Hyman and Vander Kane. Vander Kane when he is in the lineup, they, they actually are very good players. But like, 
for the most part, a lot of their wins are coming on the backs of Drysdale and McDavid, especially McDavid. But right. now you actually genuinely believe that that defense can steal you some games. Now I know that since that trade was made, they got there has been a few like real high They're scoring two and games. Two, I think since they've traded, and I've seen some real high scoring games where, right. where it's like what's going on. But I also think a lot of that is the goaltending. Yep. I think that. Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell is a is a mental midget. I think that he he's, he, he he's, needs he to gets be... in his own way. He gets yeah. in his own head. I think Stuart Skinner's a good good yeah. goalie. He's not he's a, big a guy. Stanley he's... Cup run number one goalie. That, we know. that being said, Jordan Bennington isn't yeah. either. But Excellent comparison. Who it can happen, yeah. Yeah. right? It can happen. Like if a guy gets hot and they go on a run, like who knows, right? Like and Matt um, Murray, another yeah. another guy, right? Like that that can happen. Anyways, point is. Great trade for Edmonton. This is exactly what I think the Leafs should have done. I have one last thought on this. Now you have Matias Ekholm, who's, as we just stated, is a very good defenseman. This takes a lot of pressure off of Darnell Nurse. We all agreed Darnell mm-hmm. Nurse is an overpaid defenseman. He makes $9.25 million against the cap. That's probably $2 million more than he's worth. Yeah. Before they got Ekholm, he was playing 24-25 minutes a night. That's Eric Carlson minutes. You don't mm-hmm. want Darnell Nurse playing that much minutes. Mm-hmm. No. Now Ekholm... He takes a huge burden off of the penalty killing role of Nurse. Yeah. Now you can get him if you can get him in the nineteen to twenty minute range, that frees up Darnell Nurse for a whole bunch of interesting possibilities. Now Barry's gone, he can run the power play. He can play way more at even strength. He does not need to worry about penalty killing because you can have uh Ekholm or Bouchard. Cody Cece can penalty kill. Not well, but he can do it. But the point is you don't want Darnell Nurse playing twenty seven, twenty eight minutes a night on the on this Oilers team. Mm. At home, that's a huge, huge get just in terms of taking the pressure off of Darnell Nurse. Not just the pressure off of Nurse, the pressure off of Bouchard too, who can now properly develop. I honestly do think that you bump him down the lineup a little bit, he has a few less minutes a night, and he doesn't he doesn't have as much of a burden on him as he had before, but he's still having responsibilities. And a guy like Bouchard who I genuinely believe will be their best defenseman in a couple years. In a couple years. Yeah. You take a little bit of a load off of his back, and now he he's not he doesn't have as much to carry, right? And, and Phillip, he can develop. Philip Broberg, he can play sheltered third pairing minutes now. Yeah. Does this exactly. uh, does this take Edmonton out of the Carlson sweepstakes in the offseason? I, I don't think any? it does. Nope. Uh, I don't know. Nope. I don't because know. I don't they think... can clear enough cap space. And, I mean, this is the thing. It's like, do they try and figure out a way to get themselves out of Jack Campbell in the offseason? He's his... Contract. I've looked it up. It's very, it's you can tangibly buy it out. You could. You can. Like it would be like a one point two million dollar cap it for I think eight years. So they need seven million if if Carlson is getting retained fifty percent is essentially yeah. what they. I don't do. know. They if can they, do it. That's the point. I don't know if do San Jose is going to go fifty percent. The most I see them doing is thirty. Yep. We'll see. I mean, I think Carlson to Edmonton's a bit of a pipe dream. I, I think it's like it, it would. Oh, it would be beautiful no. to watch. It would be just and magnificent. Hey, he, but I don't know if it's like Carlson in terms of building a team that's gonna win and go to the playoffs and win a cup. Like, obviously, yeah, they're gonna compete. But I don't know if that's the route you necessarily take. Carlson like, would fit great with El- Ekholm as a deep pair. Yep. Mm-hmm. Left yeah, shot, but right then shot. left shot, right shot, Swedish. and Swedish connection, and oh, one's yeah. very defensive. I'm one's pretty very sure they're both on the 2014 Sochi team. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they played together on that. Team All right, too. moving yeah. on to the next trade. Yeah, doozy. Yeah, yeah. You, oh man, the worst trade of the whole deadline. I don't. I guess. For Patrick. <laughs> oh, I. I have a friend, oh, my friend yeah. Housie's gonna be listening to this, and he's gonna cringe when I say this one. The greatest American hockey player of all time, Patrick Kane, Probably. went to the New York Rangers, along with Cooper Zeck, 
for Vili Sari Jarvi, Andy Walensky, a conditional second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick. For the and un- then the Coyotes, oh, hold on, the Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes also got in on this trade. And I don't know, how, how much did they retain? 25. Oh, 25% of Kane's salary for a third round pick, which, let me just put that out there. Very undercover trade for Arizona, but a third round pick for salary retention is that's a pretty good price. Like that's yeah. that's pretty good. Usually good you business. see fifths and sixths for salary retention, but especially twenty five percent. Like that's pretty good, right? So, and also, the Blackhawks retained fifty percent of Patrick Kane as well. I'm very curious your thoughts on this trade, then, because you seem like you're gonna have some really strong <sighs> take that I might disagree with. How do I feel about the Patrick Kane trade? Honestly, it scares me a little bit as a Bruins fan. Because I think adding Patrick Kane to that lineup immediately makes them one of the most lethal teams in the East. Which is already just absolutely stacked. But I don't know. Like From what we've seen so far since he's gotten there, it doesn't seem like it's panned out. But who knows? Like... It's so early. Like, I can't even say that. It's so early on. It's Patrick Kane. He's having a down season. But, like, just last year, he had a good year. 92 points last year. Yeah, so it's he's going to find his groove. He's playing with Panera, and they're going to they're gonna figure out their chemistry. He's just... This is a guy who's played in Chicago his entire life. You know, you got to give him some time to settle in. Now he's in New York. He's playing with a different organization for the first time. I mean, in the NHL, obviously. He's playing with a different organization in the NHL for the first time ever. You got to give him some time to settle in, some time to get to know the trainers and the team and the coach and the systems and everything. Yeah, he hasn't exactly contributed, but he'll figure it out. In terms of like how I feel about the actual trade, well, I mean, he was only willing to go to one team, right? So he kind of strung out the Blackhawks. He kind of put them in a tough position where it's like, well, we got to trade the guy. We can't let him go for nothing. And then they just didn't really get anything for him. Well, I'll tell you what they got for him. A better chance at Connor Bedard. That's what they got yeah, for. Yeah, that's return. true. Because look, yeah. second round pick and a couple fringe prospects. What they got was they subtracted one of their best players. And they got rid of Max Domi at this deadline too, right? So they Can't significantly... So, can the second become a first if they make the... Is it like the Rangers make these finals or something like that? This I don't think so. Can we all agree that he's the greatest American player of all time? Oh, yeah. Phil yeah. Kessel. No, <laughs> oh my god, dude. Uh, depends on how you feel about Ronick or and the Hall brothers, right? Madano's up there too. The Hall family, up there for sure. Madano's yeah. the best Phil goal Ronick? scorer, probably. No, Jeremy Ronick. <laughs> I know. I was yeah, just fucking okay. with you. <laughs> I <laughs> Chicago had their hands tied. They yeah. couldn't really do much, at, like in terms of dealing them where yeah. he wanted to go. This is a tank or, move, plain and simple. But. I mean, you show up like I'm a second that can turn into a first. I'm pretty sure the condition is if they make these finals that it turns into a first. I think so, yeah. My question is when it comes to the Rangers, uh, or and sorry, Patrick Kane, um, in the off season when he becomes a UFA, does he go go home to Buffalo? Because this is that's a team on the upswing, and you sign Patrick Kane to play with Tage Thompson, who's already a very good physical two way player himself. I don't even. I, don't see it. I can't. I, I can't even it. picture the off season of where I think Kane could go. Yeah. Like there's. He's, he's I, I could see Buffalo. Because mm-hmm. remember, this is the only place he wanted to go, right? You yeah. would think he has at least thought of resigning. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's I mean, my friend thought. seems to be convinced that he's going back to the Blackhawks. And mm, like, that's what I don't think There's not a chance in hell that's happening. And he's like, no, he's going back. He wants to break franchise records. I was like, no, he doesn't. Do we got anything? He doesn't want to go back there. Do we got anything more we want to say about the Kane deal? Not really. Good move for the Rangers. Him and Tarasenko. They bolstered their depth. Hurricanes pick up Shane Gosper from Arizona for a 2026 yeah. third round pick. Pretty tidy bit of business. I think that the Arizona Coyotes could have gotten more. Uh, I think Gosper was definitely worth more. Um, yeah, he's he's really rebuilt his game in Arizona. And I mean, really, it's not hard to do that as a player down there. If you've struggled and you get traded there because you're going to get showcased, you're going to get the minutes down there. And that's exactly what Gosper Gost- did. He rebuilt his value, and the Hurricanes picked up a really good player to bolster their defense for their playoff run. I think the Hurricanes are one of the most underrated teams in the league. That def- that defense is so has so much depth. You got Slavin, you got Pesci, now you have Goss to spare. There's a lot of good players there. They got a good shot and, to win the playoffs. I have strong Hurricanes takes that I'm gonna wait till the end. I think. I honestly, I mean the Hurricanes, but good good value pick. The Hurricanes overall underwhelmed me this deadline considering the fact that what Joseph said they're very underrated I actually don't think they're underrated because that would be implying that people don't know how good they are okay. and I think it's well known that they're really really good Let's, I think they're honestly like I think after Boston they're the best team in the league right now we're almost at the end let's try and get through this and then we'll go over our winners losers or whatever sure. and I have some very strong Hurricanes takes there okay sure. um, oh, here we go this should be a very civil uh Trade talk, I feel Uh-oh. like. Uh-oh. Philip Peronik and a 2023 fourth to the Canucks for the Islanders' first-round pick that the Canucks acquired in the Bowler about trade and a second-round pick in 2023 as well. Ben? People making Erica Branson comps with this trade need to shut the fuck up because Philip Peronik is a very, very good hockey player. The problem with this deal is it's a good player, but it's a, the wrong trade to make at the wrong time. This the Vancouver Canucks competitive window is nowhere even... The light is not even even close to the end of the tunnel yet for the Vancouver Canucks. So making a kind of win-now move like this to trade for a top right-hand defenseman like Philip Roenick is kind of short-sighted for the Vancouver Canucks. They're not really looking at the bigger picture. Uh, trading an asset like the Islanders protected for... Which could have turned in to an unprotected pick in next year's draft. Now, I think the Islanders have been playing well, so there's a very good chance that they crack the, above the playoff bar, pick up a wild card spot, and that pick does fall more closer to the 20 range in the draft. But it's a gamble for the Canucks, and this obviously s- signifies that the that Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford have received an edict from above from Francesco Aquilini that we are a win-now team. We are in a retool. We are not They're in not no rebuilding. way in hell going into a rebuild. No. Luigi Aquilini, the patriarch of the family, is in his 90s. Francesco obviously wants to get his dad a Stanley Cup before you know, right? So this is where we're at, Canucks fans. This is what's going on. Philip Ronick, again, extremely good hockey player he comes in and immediately becomes the second best defenseman on this team no question best right-handed defenseman they've had since kevin bieksa probably actually chris tanis chris i'll give my opinion on this really quick because i know you guys are all going to go on about it i will say that i'm in the minority who really liked this trade for the canucks i actually really did because i understand you know it's not the trade to make right now but 
Like you said, he's immediately your second best defenseman. He's only 25. Yep. The style of game he plays, the type of player that he is, he's going to be a good, effective defenseman for a long time. Oh, there's no it's question like about it. It's not like he's at the end of his prime. Like, no. his prime is ahead of him. He's only no, going he to get better. just turned 25. He's so, a good defense. Yeah. And honestly, it's, yeah, okay, this isn't the trade to make right now. But, or is it? Because yeah. how long can you be so bad defensively? Like, you got you to gotta do something. Yeah, you got to right. do something, right? At, at what point does does it just start to affect the confidence and the development of your other defensemen when you let that decor be so fucking bad? So they go in, they add Hronik, that decor becomes a lot better. Not Still not one of the best in the league. Not even top half of the league. Not still even close. Not a great defensive core, no, but a lot better than it was before. And you don't sacrifice the development of your younger guys who are losing confidence because they're letting in so many goals a game. Same thing with Demko, who's yeah. a great goalie. You and hate to shot. see him get lit up. Yeah. Yeah. You hate to see him get yeah. lit up it's because his skill level is so much above that. It's like, I get it. I get what they're doing, picking up Hronik. They want to have a little bit more contention to their game. Yeah, you want Bedard. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Okay, Actually, we want. He wanna... doesn't want Bedard. He doesn't want anywhere close to Bedard. Well, the Canucks fans do. Yeah. The fans Patrick do. Patrick Alvine wants Leo Carlson. But but Bedard <laughs> wants it. Bedard <laughs> probably wants it. But I understand it, and honestly, I don't think they overpaid. I understand you're rebuilding. Why are we giving up a first? Well, it's Islanders first, right? So you it's got different. you got a solid defenseman. On the right side, yep. you haven't had in a long time. Patrick, Patrick, yeah. did good you trade. S- do you see the hit by Ryan Reeves on him though? Oh, he got do lit you up. See yeah, he got smoked. Like, there's no way. There's no like at least partial yeah, damage after that. But that's just the Canucks' yeah. luck. It's the I, thing. That's feel, just being a Canuck. The problem with this trade is this is a clear message from Patrick Alvin, Jim Rutherford, Francesco Aquilini. They want to make the playoffs next year. Yeah. And as of right now, this team is nowhere fucking close to the no, playoffs. Which is weird, because they got a number one center, a number one defenseman, a number one goalie. And they're not even close. Yeah, and, and now a number two pieces. defenseman. Yeah, and those are the three pieces yeah. that you need to build a contender in this league. If you have those three, and you can build the supporting cast around, it's just they have failed time and time again to build that supporting cast around Pedersen, Hughes, and Well, Demko. they're banking on signing free agents to fill in those holes. Yeah. Probably. Like, who, but who's like, who the hell is going to want to sign in Vancouver yeah, after that Barry Trotz there? shit that and went on? one more thing, one more thing. Anyone want to guess how much cap space the Vancouver Canucks have next year as of right Negative now? Negative $1 million. They have no cap space no. next year. They're so, basically, in. buying out OEL is probably going to have to happen. Tyler well, Myers is going to get dealt. Yep, Either well, Besser or Garland is going to get dealt. They have to trade some of their good players. I like Connor Garland. He's a very useful player, but they cannot afford to pay him almost five million dollars for, yeah, for what he is he's playing third line minutes there's yeah. no way and he's a perimeter player yeah. like he is he, a perimeter player yeah so yeah he's a two million in the end this this trade for me would have made sense after the bubble season you keep Toffoli, you keep markstrom and tanev and then you add Veronik. if but you did right that now, they could have been a very very good team after that yeah, yeah. It's just, I, it's I mean you didn't have time. to keep markstrom i don't think no, i think you could have i want to yeah, try and hammer in and my thoughts on this because i have some also very strong takes of being a okay favorite team um, this trade screams JT Miller trade to me. Great, good trade, good player they're, they're trading for, and, like, kind of similar package, but I, nowhere near was it the right time to be making the deal. Yeah, yeah. And this is what it screams like to me as well. Um, like, Hronik, really solid. Yes, we are filling out a need defensively, but that Islanders pick is so, so valuable. I don't care if it was, like, I would have been so happy with it being... 
16, 17 this year. Mm-hmm. Like, this is such a deep draft that I don't care if it, even if we wasn't unprotected next year. Obviously, it would hurt next year if it was, like, a top-five pick. Like, the Islanders just sucked and it was a top-five pick. Mm-hmm. And we got the 2023 pick. But I also am wondering... It was protected, yes, but the Islanders also had the option, I'm pretty sure, to keep the pick. That was a rumor. They could choose to keep it this year or give it up next year unprotected. So I wonder if the Islanders were leaning towards saying, hey, we're probably going to keep the pick this year. And the Canucks decided, okay, that we're going to go trade it and use it as an asset now. But then it's unprotected next year. So mm-hmm. what happens if the Islanders are a bottom five team next year and that ends up being a top five lottery pick? I don't think the Islanders will be a bottom five team, but it will I suck if it so, is. I don't think so, but it could happen. The Islanders are old and slow. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. They've got a lot of bloated contracts. They've got a lot of players over the age of 30 who are over the hill. Yep, they so, have over yeah. the hill GM. Also, Lou Lamoureux is not what he's Lou Lamoureux, yeah, 80 years old. I'm assuming the My Canucks, grandma's age. Seeing the Canucks have now traded for him they're gonna re-sign him he's got a year left after this i think they're gonna work on an extension in the offseason how much is like how much is he gonna get paid he's at least <laughs> worth seven he's yeah. seven that to eight million from seven yeah yeah so but maybe i don't a six. yeah i, mean, I maybe doubt a it high six if you're getting with lucky. how he's playing this year yeah probably seven but again you also have to see what the sample size of him playing in your system is so mm-hmm. if he gets to vancouver um, quite honestly, I don't know if he's a long-term partner for Quinn Hughes because he probably like him better, a little bit. I like him better off the line with Hughes. Yeah, I think I, with I, Larson. Well, no, nah, but they need, really want to like that's the you know Ekman Larson go- is a pylon at this point in his oh, career. Hughes is no doubt the best puck mover on that blue line. Horonic is probably going to come in and be the second best puck mover on this blue line. Do you really want those two playing together as your two no, best you puck movers? You no, you don't. No, you want to split them up. up. Yeah. And put like a defensive defenseman like what Shen was, yeah. like what Tanev was right. beside Hughes. All right, this is becoming a Canucks podcast, so let's move on to the next trade. This yeah. is a big one. This oh, is thanks, also- Bruins fan, much appreciated. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, we yeah. got trades to cover here, buddy. Jacob Chikrin to the Ottawa Senators in exchange. The Coyotes get back a conditional 2023 first round pick, a conditional 2024 second round pick from the Capitals, and a 2026 second round pick. Another um, example, Joseph. Joseph, sorry, you yes. got the biggest. I, I am. Yeah. I grew up an Ottawa Senator fan. Unfortunately, I kind of become a lapsed fan in the past few years because it's just so frustrated with the way Eugene Melnick was running this team. But now that he's gone, now that he's croaked, finally this Jeez. team, Jesus. this team, oh my this God. team oh, is finally. Okay, hey, you should look at some of the allegations against him. Like it's it's ridiculous how horrible of an owner he was. <laughs> but anyway, now that he's out of the way, Pierre Dorian is finally making some good moves, and I love this trade. Jacob Chikrin is a strong two-way defenseman. His defensive game is so underrated. Like, his puck retrievals, his puck battles, his zone exits are all top tier. They're excellent. He can play on He can play on the second pairing. He takes a lot of weight off of Thomas Shabbat, who struggled a bit this season, especially defensively. They give up a conditional first. The condition in this trade is, if, let's say, the Senators miss the playoffs, which is possible, and they win the lottery, the Senators keep their pick. It's top five protected. So if it's top five, it slides to next year. And I'm sure Ottawa plans on being pretty good next year because Chikrin has two more years left on his, his deal at $4.6 million per season. That second round pick, they got that in the Connor Brown trade from the Washington Capitals. Connor Brown tore his ACL the first month of the season. He hasn't played. So that pick um, has become useful getting Jacob Chikrin. What's the condition on that one? Which one? The second round second pick? Round. Is it in like the Suns make the East Finals this year or something like that? Something like that. And the 2026 second round pick, that's a middle schooler. Like, 
That's this a fifteen-year-old. Yeah, that's this is this is just such a great trade. It sh- shows the players after years of losing, Ottawa is finally prepared to take some steps towards sustained competitive sustained uh, competitiveness. And I think Jacob Chikrin, he's a perfect fit. His family's from the area. He's on an affordable contract. He can pitch in both offensively and defensively. And I really, really like this trade. This was this was an amazing trade. An amazing trade for Ottawa and just another blemish for Arizona. Oh, just, a, just, a, just a disgusting example of a mismanagement of assets once again from the Arizona Coyotes who overplayed their hand and had a guy on the trade deadline for or on the trade block for like three years, like, oh, he's leaving, he's leaving, he's leaving. And then finally you're like, okay, well, we gotta get rid of this guy. LA's already got Gavrikov, Boston's already got Orlov, uh, Edmonton's got Ekholm. Like, where are we where are we gonna send yeah. him? And then they Ottawa comes in as a dark horse and gives up draft picks. Draft picks, like yeah. really, like less than most, less than those other three teams gave up for those defensemen that they acquired for the best defenseman of all of them. Yeah, which they... is, which is just and the youngest and has term and it Chikrin term is, and a good contract. Yeah, He's only yes. twenty six. That's excellent. Chikrin is so underrated. No, so underrated. This is such a good tra- like this. I almost feel like actually he's become overrated in the sense that teams were like just well, valuing. How many good defensemen has Arizona had? I no, I, yeah, I know. Like, but like with how everyone was like, oh, his trade package is going to be like yeah, huge. Yeah. It's like well, this guy was on the trade block for over a year. And basically, again, this goes back to my earlier point about the Timo Meyer deal, is that GMs were patient. They waited out all these guys that were asking huge, huge packages and trades for their players. And they said, no, no, we're going to stand pat. This is what, what we'll give you. This is what we'll give you. And eventually what happened is Bill Armstrong caved. And Pierre Dorian is sitting there in his office laughing because he got the best player out of this trade. He got the best deal. That. Well, he also made, in my opinion, the best trade of the deadline. I got it, yeah, it for is. Ottawa. I agree. For Ottawa, Ottawa, that was the that it was the best trade. They I could made. not believe how little they had to give up to get him, and now they have such a good defense. Like it is just great trade. Anyways, let's let's move on to the next one because I, I really like this. I one. just want to say, please, Ron Reynolds, buy the team. I want to say quickly too on Chickering, Arizona. The fact that they were really. Like not willing to retain salary on Chikrin makes absolutely no sense. You're bad now. You're gonna be bad for the future yeah. years. That Chikrin's contract. They're remains. essentially running an insurance scam with all their the owners LTI just cheap. Contracts. The owners just cheap. <laughs> they they're paying more LTI money to they guys. Can't sell any tickets. Yeah. Why are the Coyotes still in Arizona? Okay, yeah, anyway, that's another right. conversation. All right. <clears throat> Tyler. Bertuzzi. Okay, hold on. I'm gonna do this one. Okay. <clears throat> all right. The Boston Bruins acquired Tyler Bertuzzi from the Detroit Red Wings. Who retained 50% of his salary for a protected 2024 first round pick and a 2025 fifth round pick. Who wants to take this one? Can I just quickly interject with something? Um, we have breaking news from Darren Dreger. Uh, Ottawa Senator goaltender Cam Talbot is, has an oblique strain. He's going to miss the next three weeks. So that's big news. Um, that is that is that is big news for a team that's trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, so yeah. Operation Mad Sogard number one goalie is in effect because Forsberg's out for the year too. That's oh. going to be interesting to see. So we'll see how that affects well, the Well, and again, this, this is going to be a real test for the Ottawa Senators' defense now, is can they protect a young goalie who's now been thrust into the number one role? So, yeah, this is going to be the ultimate test to see if they can continue on their hot streak and try and 
make a push for the playoffs. Oh, with there Talbot was actually out. a uh, trade again. That's, that's nothing. That's it, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, last. Is this the one. last one? One of the last ones. There's a few left. Three more. We'll do the uh, Tyler Bertuzzi trade, which I just I just detailed. You can skip these. So who wants yeah. to take this one? I, I'll you, I'll, you, I'll go you're first. Yeah. I'll say. Uh, I was up real early the day this happened. I had to drive my mom to the airport. I got up at like four in the morning, drove her at five. I had school that day. It was a Thursday. I still remember. I woke and up sick and I texted you immediately yeah, once I saw this. And I was driving back from YBR to BCIT campus to go to the gym and I parked my car and I opened my phone to check Instagram and I saw this trade go down. And my first reaction was just like, holy shit, Donald Sweeney has done it again. To go and acquire another quality, pl- and like, it rem- he just keeps picking up players who are just built to be Bruins. They just fit <laughs> in that lineup so well. Bertuzzi is like Marchand light. He doesn't have quite the offensive upside, doesn't have quite the grit to his game, but he still has all those components. He's an and asshole. He's, he's an asshole to play against. They are immediately, they already were the most hated team in the NHL, but they are immediately even more hated. And he just, he's going to make it a pain in the fucking ass for Toronto or Tampa to play them in the second round or whoever they play in the first round. It's just, it's a perfect trade. It's Already a perfect trade. And well, they're, be- they're beating the Islanders. Just, I know. just to add in the little icing on the cake, they didn't even give him a roster player. So in all the trades they made, the only roster player they gave up was Craig Smith, who was in and out of the lineup anyways. So they add in Orlov, they add in Hathaway, and they add in Bertuzzi. Hathaway and Bertuzzi both just gritty forwards. Bertuzzi with a little bit more offensive upside, even though Hathaway has more goals this year. And then Orlov with also great offensive upside. They, they, they acquire all these players. They don't even give up a roster player, other than Craig Smith, who you can argue isn't even a roster player. Nope. Do you think they make this deal if Felino and Hall aren't both out? It definitely opens it up. Maybe. It definitely opens up the possibility. It's almost like, because obviously he doesn't he doesn't even make the lineup if, if they're in the lineup because they can't afford him, right? Yeah. yeah. The only reason he's playing is because Hall's on LTIR. Yeah. No salary cap in the playoffs. You can play anybody. Yeah, so if Hall comes back in the playoffs. Look how stacked that team is going to be. Like, oh, I mean, yeah. you're going to have Nick Foligno on the fourth line, right? I, I honestly Your third see... line is going to be Taylor Hall, Tyler Bertuzzi, and Charlie Coyle. Oh, it's the That's team that wins the playoffs. Well, no, and again, like, I see a path where the Boston Bruins just, like, walk their way to the Stanley Cup this year. Like, they, this yeah. team is so good. Like, clear-cut, uh, Linus Olmark is winning the Vezina Trophy. Like, he's just been so lights out this year. And, like, it's probably one of the most complete teams that we've seen uh, over the last decade is this year's iteration if, of the Boston Bruins. If they win the Cup this year, there is a very, very strong case that they are one of the greatest Stanley Cup champion teams. Best team of, of the century, if they do. I mean, I up, until, up until Make, this it, point in the regular season, they are the best. They're probably season. they're probably not going to touch the, I believe it was the 86 Oilers that year. Mm. Those Oilers were yep. very, very good. Now, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, everyone remembers the 1819 Tampa Bay Lightning. They had mm-hmm. 62 wins on the season. Anyone want to enlighten the group on what happened in the playoffs? Yeah, I do remember that. It was the sweep by Columbus. And that Columbus team was pretty fucking mediocre. Johnny Tortorella. That was the Panarin, Panarin, Duchesne, Bobrovsky one. The the uh, difference with that is that they they were The core that was going in to that playoff series for Tampa did not have 
anywhere close to the playoff experience at the core that this Boston Bruins team has. I, I, I think mainly the reason that happened, that upset, is Campbell was not playing hockey for like the last like three weeks of the season. Yeah. They had the President Trophy already locked up, and they were just mm. like And they cruising. were supremely overconfident, and they ran into a hot Blue Jackets team. After they made those Duch- that Duchesne trade, they were excellent. Mm-hmm. In the yeah. Because well, they were outside of the playoffs. And I just remember it was 3 nothing in Game 1 for Tampa. Well, and, and Tampa Bay, sudden, like, you look what happened. Is they, they saw that, like, hey, wait a second, we did not show up to play in the playoffs, and... And what happened? They changed their mentality and they won two straight Stanley Cups. Mm-hmm. But the Bruins aren't cruising right now because they're trying to break records. And you can see in the way they're playing, they just keep winning, right? And they're you, if you watch their games, even when they're down by a goal or two, they're still playing to win. So they're not cruising. They're still playing real hockey. They're still trying. And they have a lot more experience than the Tampa Bay team did when they got swept. I mean, Bergeron, Marshawn, ah. Krejci... Pro- probably the Bruin team does have more experience, but I don't think you can say that ta- that Tampa team didn't have experience. They made the Cup Finals in 2015. Yeah, but they've got more. Their core was still around in 2015. Krejci... Edmund, Stamkos, Krejci has a, a cons Kudrov was still around, yeah. Braden Point? Yeah. Braden Point wasn't around then. No, he was drafted 2016. Uh, next week? Uh, so, I guess... We'll combine the two because it was Gavrikov and uh, Corpusalo to the Kings for it was quick, a first I believe and a third was it? Yeah, yeah. All the LA fans fucking bitching about oh the loyalty to Jonathan Quick blah blah yeah, blah, like, blah blah blah. Oh my God, been... cry me a fucking river. He hasn't been good for like forever well he's... and then like i understand loyalty you're, you don't trade a guy to columbus listen it's a business you trade a guy Look, when you trade a, like it, it, there's no fucking loyalty it's a business yeah, like it's, it's a it's the old cliche what have you done for me lately you're trying and to what, win there you go. and what has jonathan quick done for them lately nothing. they haven't won a Absolutely cup in, nothing. It, he's been playing like he's been sitting on the can all year yeah the last <laughs> time they won the cup was 2014 that's nine years ago they like this they got a good team um Corpusalo, well, we'll get there. But Corpusalo, that's a good. Uh, you could say that's an upgrade over Quick for this year, and yeah. and Quick got his landing spot in the end, right? Like they didn't screw him royally. Like he was rerouted. That being said, it's not out of the realm of possibility that L.A. and Vegas meet each other in the playoffs. Wouldn't that be LA's so funny? Dark oh my god, would that be fun to watch? Would that I be think, fun uh, to watch? I I get fans being mad about the loyal, loyalty thing. I think he definitely should have been dealt as an asset like he's an expiring mm-hmm. contract he hasn't been good right they need goaltending help whatever money helps with money wise the only thing i'll say is they probably should have alerted him being like hey there's a chance we might trade you as respect i, yeah. Yeah, respect. Yeah. I mean he's made plenty of money in his career he's fine he's yeah, he'll fine. be fine but he's... Like, these are very well compensated professionals Listen, and they'll get over he's got two cups his legacy secured like, to the on. people who are saying where's the loyalty this is what i have to say if he didn't want to get traded you take a little bit less in your contract and you get a no trade clause. Like or no, that's or like, no move clause because you're yeah or no move clause. Like that's that's just what you do. It's a business. If there's always a chance you can get traded, you're no, you don't know if you're gonna be as good as. To be fair, you are signed this one contract. I believe in 2011 or 2012 though. Like Can't like be. That's yeah, but still, deal. yeah, but still, like yeah, it, I know it was one of those last oh, deals. It was one of those ones. But it's 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 business, yeah. right? It's like. Do you really expect so yourself to be as good in 2011 as you're gonna be in in 2023 is that the expectation that he had that he wasn't going to regress at all like if you didn't want to be traded then when you signed that contract 
you take, take less and you take the no move clause, you take the no trade clause. Yeah. Like, uh, like I'm sorry, it's unfortunate. I understand you played with all these guys your whole career, but you're also playing well, in the NHL so, on an NHL contract that doesn't have a no trade clause. Like they're allowed to trade you. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything they illegal. Didn't do anything wrong. They didn't break any rules. Nope. Unfortunately, it happened. Unfor- it sucks for LA fans who love the guy and he's been around and he won cups with them. But did we throw in the fact that Quick was seven flipped? Yeah, I'm assuming. Well, we were talking about it, but like, did we throw in the actual trade that was when he got flipped the second time? No, we didn't mention. Okay, that. well, it was Quick and at fifty percent retained for Michael Hutchinson and a twenty twenty fifth seven. So did Leaf and Squat? Yeah. Like so, they just they did him a favor to get him out of Columbus. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. I mean. He's an upgrade. Like, remember, Vegas's goalie situation, they've lost Leonard for the season. He hasn't played Logan at Thompson's all. Logan Thompson's on IR. Yep. And Hill's been hurt. Yep. Recently. They need him badly. And who knows what Vegas is going to do. We know they have an impatient owner. They have a GM in uh, Kelly McCrimmon, who since he took over from George McPhee, he's been wheeling and dealing without a lot of success. He needs probably two playoff series wins to keep his job. Yeah. In my opinion. And they got Peter DeBoer, who's a fucking fossil. Like, what has Peter DeBoer done in his career? He hasn't won. You guys hasn't won Jack. Well, yeah, really? and that's why they replaced him with uh, Bruce Cassidy. Oh, what am I thinking? Of course, it's yeah, Cassidy. They did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, DeBoer and DeBoer is actually having success in Dallas, but I mean, is that going to translate to playoff success? I don't really think so. Uh, but again, the West is wide open because it's really up for the taking. There's no one that stands out as a huge contender in the Western Conference. The Eastern Conference is just so full of juggernauts right now that. There's anybody, like, you show me and you can seize the day in the playoffs. There's a couple other deals, like, minor deals that, or I guess minor-ish, kind of major, not really. We're probably just skipping over, get the last trade in Klingberg done, I would say, because I think that's... Yeah, like, yeah. Eustad, third-round pick, good trade for the Oilers, can win some face-offs, good depth, nothing more, nothing to see here. Like, yeah, and then there's, like, Troy Stetcher's trade, there's... Yeah, uh, yeah let's just do Klingberg, I think, Jordan Green, and nice we'll wrap up. up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Klingberg at 50% retained salary... For Andre Schuster and Nikita Nesterenko and a 2025 fourth round pick. Yeah, Klingberg, he struggled big time in Anaheim this year. Anaheim, I read, is one of the worst defensive teams in the salary cap era. Oh, yeah. John Klingberg was probably the worst defensive defenseman on that team. I'm pretty sure he was in like like, the zeroth percentile of defensemen. I I wouldn't call John Klingberg a defensive defenseman. I mean, no. Well, he was the worst. He was the worst. To be fair, though, like, you, Anaheim signed him to a one year deal to trade him. And although you didn't get like a first or a second, like you were hoping Klingberg would play too, you still get a couple assets. Yep. Good trade. This is a well, good trade for uh, Minnesota. It ups their ceiling because we know after this year they're in major cap hell. You want to keep Kaprizov after. I think he's got three more years left on his deal after this one. This is a trade. Maybe that it can win him around for the first time in at least a decade. But yeah. good trade for them. I mean, better defensive system than Well, Anaheim, he fits so in we'll a see. lot better on that Minnesota yeah. team than he did in, in Anaheim. And teams, so at least he has actual yeah. defensemen around him. And teams always want a, a right-handed shot that can skate. At defense, mm-hmm. and that's what John Klingberg is. Okay, let's go around. Now, we'll do... Each person, give your favorite trade. Joseph, you want to start? Favorite trade, and then around. also one winner and one loser. We'll start with favorite trade, and then oh. and least favorite trade, and then we'll get to we'll go around to the winner and loser. Okay, I'll go first. Um, so, Joseph, that's me. Uh, my favorite trade is the Jacob Chikrin trade. For Ottawa, a team that's on the rise, to give up three draft picks, a, first, a protected first, and two seconds... So, in theory, they can still fall off, but they can still get Connor Bedard if they win the lottery. They protected themselves there. That's huge. They get a very good defenseman who immediately becomes the second-best defenseman on their team. Depends on how you feel about Thomas Shabbat. 
He's good defensively. He's good offensively. He checks a lot of boxes. And probably most importantly, he's got term on a very, very affordable contract. Two more years after this one at $4.6 million. Excellent trade for Ottawa. I'm As a Sens fan, I'm very, very happy that they made that trade. And who knows? Maybe he makes the playoffs this year. If not, that's fine. I Two do, more years left I, on his I do deal. want to throw in, I didn't throw this in at the time, but Pierre, Pierre Dorian, great deals in both Chikorin and Debrinket last year at the deadline. Yep. You gave up, yeah, yeah, you gave up the seventh pick last year. Who in cares? deal. But you also, like, you could also say, well, this wasn't just that first in, like, two seconds. Or a second and a third for Debrinket. It was one, two, and three. Yeah, for Debrinket, who is probably worth at least two firsts. Yep. And you only gave up the one first, which was a very high first, but I don't know. I think it's been really good job yep. by Dorian so far. I'm happy with the work he's done. Personally, I'd like a different coach other than DJ Smith. He plays a bit old school for me. Um, he values things that I don't really anymore. Lots of grits, lots of sandpaper, and I really don't think that's the fit for Ottawa this year. Now, my least favorite trade. Uh, my least favorite is the Eric Gustafson for Rasmus Sandin trade. I really don't think this was a good idea for the Maple Leafs. I think Rasmus Sandin has a lot of upside, a lot of potential. And he's only, I think, 22, 23 years old. Signed through next year at a $1.4 million cap hit. Very affordable for a cap-strapped team like the Maple Leafs. I'm not an Eric Gustafson fan. He's very poor defensively. He's good offensively, but, like, really, you don't need him. And you give up a first-round... Or, sorry, they acquired a first-round pick with Gustafson for... Yeah, yeah, they acquired a first-round pick um, along with Gustafson. That'll be probably late 20s. At best, it'll be 25th overall. I just really believe in Rasmus Sandin, and I believe in his potential, and I don't think Eric Gustafson moves the needle anywhere enough to be giving up on someone like a Rasmus Sandin. Ben, favorite and least favorite? Uh, I'm going to agree with Joseph on this one. The Chikorin deal was just a, you know, I use the old cliche again, a tidy bit of business by Pierre Dorian. He gets a top four defenseman who's young, under contract for another couple years, at a very reasonable cap hit. This is a team that's on the rise, and again, he's been doing a lot of really good work over the last little bit. Uh, Goaltending is still kind of a question mark and an issue going forward, but again, that's something that they could easily fix this offseason in a trade or via free agency if they wanted to. Um, so I would say that the, that's my favorite trade, probably the biggest winner at the deadline, Ottawa Senators. Uh, least favorite trade? Um... Honestly, like as a Canucks fan, I will, I really do like Philip Ronek as a hockey player, but this trade was just the wrong trade to make at this time. Uh, the Canucks should not be trying to be buyers right now. Look at where they are in the standings, for God's sake. It's bad. It's really, really bad, and it's really, really bleak. And kind of to my earlier point, they're not even close to seeing the light at the end of the tunnel here. So making this deal right now is kind of short-sighted. Uh, it's not looking at the bigger picture. It's not looking at where your team is at in its development <laughs> process, even if there even is a development process, which I don't think exists in this team anymore. Um, so I would say the Philip Ronick trade, again, very short-sighted by Canucks management, short-sighted in, by ownership to try and push for this team to be retooling and trying to be successful in the next couple of years. So I would say that the worst trade of the deadline is probably the, the Philip Ronick deal. To take your cake. Well, I think one of the main winners of this, and unfortunately my favorite one being a Canucks fan, is the Boston Bruins. I mean, it's just been nothing but success for them, and they've consistently had the same core for the last couple of years. They've come close. Now they're just tweaking to that foundation. I think playoffs show that defense wins championships, and even with this addition of Orlov, they're just solidifying that back core. Allmark's going to win the Vesna probably 
So defensively, they've just carved out a path to the Stanley Cup, and that's why they're the likely favorites. The two losers, I think, other than the Arizona Coyotes, who, I don't know, I think they're trying to get relocated at this point. Um, a bit of hindsight bias, too, the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, so by contrast, the Edmonton Oilers, you have the addressing of the defense. Like, you have Ekholm, who's, for me, it's finally a good trade for the Oilers. You're going to have goalie issues there, but I don't want to get into that. The Toronto Maple Leafs, though, like, it's the same team, and... Ryan O'Reilly, it's unfortunate he got injured. He's a good depth player, but still defensively they're going to struggle. Goaltending-wise, they're going to struggle. So I do think they're one of the losers, uh, as well as Arizona. Okay. Favorite trade, least favorite trade, Adam. My favorite and least favorite trade. So I'm looking through these, and obviously, like, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of good trades. For the sake of originality, I'll go with something that hasn't been said, but I, I do want to say that I think that the chicken trade and... The Orlov trade with Hathaway, of course, as well. I do think that those trades could be considered the best trades of the deadline. I also think that Meyer was a great trade. They just gave up a lot, even though they gave up less than they should have. They still gave up a lot in comparison to what other trades were. But I have to go with Patrick Kane as my favorite trade. I know he hasn't produced so far. I know his stats haven't been great with the Rangers, but it's only been a few games, and... To give up what you gave up and then add in a guy who's only one year removed from 92 points and he's the greatest American-born player of all time, and I will say that over and over and over again because my best friend is a Chicago Blackhawks fan and I support him. <laughs> to get a guy like Patrick Kane and plug him into your lineup and then have the chemistry between him and Panarin and just be able to actually compete in an already stacked East is huge. And when you take into account the fact that they didn't have to give up a lot to do it. It's like, yeah, the Rangers may not win the cup this year. There's a good chance that they don't. But if they get kicked out first round or second round this year, which could happen, you don't really care too much because what did they really give up to get what they get? I mean, Tarasenko, they gave up Sammy Blay and what, like another... Pickers, like they gave up nothing for the guy, and then Patrick Kane again, like severely underpaid. So I just love the trade. I just think it makes him a lot better. It makes him a lot more competitive. We just lost Ben. It makes us. Yeah, it Ben's got to go to work. Bye, Ben. It, it makes him Bye a guys, lot more. Thank you for listening. <laughs> makes him a lot more competitive and gives them a shot at the cup in a very very stacked division. My least favorite trade. <sighs> So I'm looking through all these trades here. So we got a document over here. I'm looking through all these trades here, and I'm thinking, I don't want to pick on the Leafs because it's the cliche thing to do as the Bruins fan. Even though I do think that that Gustafson trade is just atrocious, and you lose a guy in Sandine who's a solid defenseman, you get the first round pick, so it's not too bad. But Gustafson's just so bad. He's just so bad. But for the sake of originality, I will go with Tanner Janot. I do think that the Tanner Janot trade, and like I said before, he's got offensive upside. He's a good player, and he is going to make that Tampa Bay team better. But they overpaid. They severely overpaid. And props to Nashville, who, on the flip side of things, it's one of the best trades when you look at Nashville's perspective. How did we not include a Nino Niederreiter trade? That was a couple. That was before the deadline. But it was at the same time as all some of these other deals. Well, it's too late now. But yeah, a Niederreiter for a second. Good trade. 
Yeah, but sides. yeah, no, I think the ta- the Genoa trade for for Tampa Bay is probably my worst trade of the deadline, tied neck and neck with with the uh, Gustafson trade. And my best trades will be Dmitry Orlov and the Patrick Kane trade. Those are my two favorites. Okay. But there's a lot of good. There was a lot of really good trades. I mean, the Czech trade was great and. I'll keep mine. Really uh, I'll keep mine short. I'll say I said Orlov was my favorite. That Orlov Hathaway deal was my favorite. I, earlier when we were talking about that, that's my favorite. Um, my least favorite. I think I'm gonna actually say the Chickendale, but for the opposite reasons. I'm saying Arizona because like, what are you doing? You should have got a huge package for Chickered. Yeah. And you only got a first and two seconds, and the second one second gonna come way down later down the road. Yeah. I, not that big fan. Yes, you're. Arizona is loaded up on draft picks for the next years, but like eventually you're gonna start needing like more players and shit like that. And what if these guys don't turn out? Blah blah. blah. I don't know. For me, that's why I don't like it. Uh, winner loser deadline. We'll go reverse order. Adam. Uh, my winners are Boston. Boston's one of my winners. That's going to be a controversial take. But Boston's one of my winners. Uh, Ottawa's a winner for me. And the Rangers are probably my biggest winner. I I would say Boston, but just I can't because they're my team. Losers, Arizona is a big loser for me. Like you said before, I'm not going to even repeat it. Everything you said is exactly why they're a big loser. Uh And I won't say Toronto. Toronto just like the way I look at Toronto is they just kind of went sideways. They just took a lot of steps horizontally. Mm-hmm. So they're not really a loser for me. They're just somewhere in the middle. Like everything they did is just kind of blah. And yeah, O'Reilly makes you a better team, but he's injured, so it's it sucks for them. They lost the biggest thing that they acquired. But anyways, yeah. No, to I would take, say I think I know my winners and losers again. It's probably what Toronto loser, Edmonton winner. Edmonton winner, Boston winners for sure. Yeah. Boston's are probably my main main winners. I, I'm gonna say New Jersey's up there as well, but mm-hmm. Boston for sure and Toronto. Yeah, they're gonna be one of my losers just because the expectations are so high. Um, but yeah, Joseph. Uh, my winners include the Ottawa Senators, New Jersey Devils. I think the Timo Meyer trade is absolutely huge for them. The Edmonton Oilers. I like Matthias Ekholm. I like that trade. And the New York Rangers. Picking up Tarasenko and Kane, I think, will be huge for the both of them. Okay. Losers, Arizona, joke of a franchise. Shouldn't be there anymore. I feel really bad for the fans in Quebec City who spent a ton of taxpayer money. <laughs> they spent a ton of taxpayer money on the Videotron Center, which the only use for it is the QMJHL, the Quebec Ramparts. I would love to see the Nordiques come back, but I just don't think it happens under Gary Bettman. Any other losers that I have? Um... I'll say the Vancouver Canucks for choosing the wrong direction, trying to make uh, the playoffs next year, which is their clear mandate. I just don't like that move. Uh, I think I don't know that don't know. that next year is not the year. Maybe the year after, but I just don't think Phil Kronick moves the needle enough for them. I have a hard time calling the Canucks the losers, though. It's is like, it is again, the goal like, to get in the playoffs though? It's not. It but clearly like, goal they, is to win Stanley Cups, losers? not to get the playoffs. Are they deadline losers? Like they did make good trades. I think the they're. I think. Not bad i think like, they were going in the same class as the leafs for me where it's like they're not winners or losers they just made a bunch of moves they were trending towards a winner for me and then they made the horror trade and they said nope we're stopping dead smack in the middle 
it, yeah, for, exactly what for I'm me, thinking. Yeah, for exactly. me, it all depends on their offseason. What are they going to do to clear cap space? Because they mm-hmm. can't go into next season with this lineup and expect to make the playoffs. They just can't yeah. do it. Uh, I'll go my winners. So I think the Leafs are actually a winner. I love what the Leafs have done, and I love that they're finally realizing, okay, we got to go all in. We have to win a round. Well, I there's, mean, Jake we, there's McCabe no, no exception. Win a trophy, right? So Jake McCabe and Andrew. I'm not saying actually, Jake McCabe what is going to win. The rumor is that Gustafson and McCabe are going to split heard, the Norris Trophy. To down be the fair, middle. I don't like the Sandine <laughs> deal, but like. The rest of their deals that they made, I actually do love it. They finally have depth, and that's been their issue for years now. And they fi- like if Tampa is gonna look to just push them around in round one, it's what they always they do. They fucking right? lost Pierre Engvall. <laughs> they added depth and they lost depth. But so they add, what the fuck? But they the added Luke Shen. They, they added Lafferty. They added McCabe. Like they added guys who are gonna be able to take this and so they give traded it back a away bit. depth in Sandine and Engvall, and then they added more depth. But they had a and then better they added a bunch opinion. of number four defensemen, number four, five, six defensemen, and the only actually fucking notable name they got was O'Reilly. You and even hey, he's having a bad year. You know like, how much I hate the Leafs, and yet I'm still calling no, them. You, that takes guts. From you me. fucking. I think love I'm gonna get Leafs. you an Alex Kerfoot jersey, Nathan. I hate Alex Kerfoot. I saw the rumors to the Canucks. I'm like, please no. Um, no, that's a, no, I still got... I'm going to get you a jersey that's half Canucks, half Leafs, just split down the middle. Yeah. I would, I with would Brad choke you on the back. <laughs> that scenario. <laughs> with Brad Marchand on the back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bruins, obviously clear winners, in my opinion. And I will say, uh, fuck, yeah, the Sens. The, I really like the devil pickup of Timo Meyer though, as well. And the getting of a Holtz or an image. My biggest loser, you actually might be surprised about this. I have the Carolina Hurricanes as my biggest loser. They didn't do anything. They picked they up Gosper. They picked up Puyarvi. I, but I can't look fucking at, stand Puyarvi. But look at what the like the Canes were my Stanley Cup pick. Still have the highest odds of winning. <laughs> the technically ca- speaking, the Canes are my Stanley Cup pick. They were it, from the beginning of the year, and they still have been. But the fact that they didn't do jack shit at the deadline, and all these other East superpowers like the Rangers, the Bruins, the Leafs, the Lightning even picked up Janelle. Like they're all making these big moves, and they just pick up Shane Gosper. Like well, they've patched already. They needed a forward, and they picked up Jesse Puri Like well, that got, doesn't do got, anything. They got Domi, didn't they? No, nope. that was they last needed year. like a oh, center. That was, that was, that was, that was, like, and I know like Dallas. there was the Canucks, like JT Miller, the Canes rumors, blah blah. I'm not saying that should have happened, but they should have went and done something to bolster their forward. They needed a, either a scoring winger or they needed a second line center because Kakinami is not their second line center. I will and say I, the the contrary to that is like. I think I have finally... I don't know. I, don't I think know. my pick has was the Hurricanes, and I think I have to change it now because I don't like what they've done, and I don't think it's going to work out. I think the Hurricanes are thinking, like, look how stacked the East is this year. It's going to look a whole lot different next year. Boston's probably not going to be in the picture anymore. Let's wait till next year, and then we'll go for it, you know? I don't know. But then again, they're probably not thinking that because I don't think any NHL team thinks that way. I don't think that they have the mentality of let's go for it next year. Like, they all want the cup now, right? So... Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think they kind of dropped the ball a little bit. Their fan base just seems a little bit like, what the hell went on? What happened? Like, do something, right? And they just didn't, you know? And you're right. They got They picked up good value good value deals, but you can't really be going for good deals. The trades they made, the trades they made just like, just isolating the trades they made and looking at them individually, like they're good trades, but, but just like it's, their overall performance at the deadline. They needed something right. bigger. Like, yeah, they didn't do a lot. Like why, these, why though? They're, they're they're expected to obviously they're not, I don't see them winning but they're still one of the top three teams teams that's probably gonna win like between Boston and Carolina they need they need one more offensive score and they didn't do it Pacioretty was supposed to be that guy but when he got hurt they needed to go readdress it yeah all right 
Anything else? Oh yeah, do you want to do your um do you want to do your your segment? Joseph? I um I think we've covered just about everything for today, my little rant. <laughs> you, that that'll make it <laughs> Yeah, that'll make its uh, debut I think on next week's podcast. All right, tune in for next week's podcast and we'll have a new segment called Joseph's Weekly Canucks Rant. All right, for and Adam Kloss, Nathan Maley, Ben Bugera, and Anthony Atanasov, this has been Joseph Augusti. Thanks for listening.